Hello, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You are on the sidelines with the sideline guys for a very special MMA edition of the show once again. I am Christopher Negron, and I am being joined by my brother in arms, Sean Negron. Uh, thank you again for coming on the show, man. How's it going today? And and give the people your socials, man. Tell them where they can find you at. Yes, it's good to be back. I appreciate you having me again. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Negron twenty six, and if, if you want to find me on Instagram uh, at Sean J Negron or negron it's it depends on how you want to pronounce it a lot of people in my family pronounce it negron the other ones pronounce it negron so whatever works for you <laughs> i like the the inclusive the inclusivity there growing up i got the negron a lot as well i personally don't like it so you gotta hit them with the negron i gotta hear the yes. negron i need the i need that little roll in the r but 100 <laughs> percent. a lot of people can't no, do it <laughs> yeah for sure for sure uh, but I'm really excited for today's show, man. We're going to be doing a sort of a sneak peek into the future of all the divisions in the UFC, sort of looking ahead at which one has the, the, the best options moving forward and trying to judge like the strength of these divisions and like which div which division is the deepest. So we're going to be going top to bottom on this one. So I'll let you sort of lead the dance, Sean. Um, let's get this thing going. Well, I think we could start off with uh, probably one of the most talked about things in UFC, which is John Jones and the heavyweight division. What happens next? You know, after we saw, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago with Sergey Pavlich, just, I think, annihilating Curtis Blades. Uh, Curtis didn't really seem to be on his game plan. It seemed like he was fighting Sergey's fight, and Sergey just took it to him. It didn't even seem considerably close for someone who at the time was three and four in the rankings, and now Sergey's at two. It definitely leads the question with this whole uncertainty between John Jones and Stipe Miocic in July is not happening, and you know maybe it's happening in November at, the, at Madison Square Garden. What, what do you think uh, the UFC heavyweight division should look like? Should John Jones do a fight with Sergey now? Or within the next, let's say, three or four months? Or do you think they're just going to keep holding them off until that Stipe fight is for real, knowing that this whole last fight between John Jones and Stipe could be potentially John Jones' final fight in the UFC? Yeah, man. I feel like you could go either way in this situation. It's such a weird lead-up, though, right? Like, as far as Sergey's win against Cur Curtis Blades, you go into that fight sort of feeling like, this is going to be the moment where he gets tested in the specific area that really separates you at heavyweight, right? And we come out the other side where he gets a huge knockout win, but we don't really feel like we got the answer to those questions, even though he came across obviously looking like a superstar getting the knockout in the first. So uh, very hard to gauge where he's at. Obviously, he, he will take your shots square on the chin and keep riding right through them, right? And and find your chin as well uh, in route. So he's a dangerous fighter. He's someone that definitely needs to be approached very scientifically in order to prevent getting rolled over. Um, so honestly, a tough loss there for Curtis Blades. As far as the future of the division, though, I'm pretty sure they're trying to cash out on John Jones versus Stipe. This is uh, this is something that they were going to make happen, even if it wasn't for the belt while Francis was the champ, right? So I'm pretty sure that no matter what the circumstances are, I, I think that's what John Jones wants the most. To be honest, do I end up 
Do I think we end up seeing John Jones fight Sergey Pavlovich? I would lean towards saying yes. I think he stays around for at least two more title defenses. Um, but I do see a world too where he win or loss in the Stipe fight just decides to hang him up there too, right? So I don't know. It's a tricky situation. You got to take what he says at face value. Uh, but once again, MMA retirements are a thing. So who knows whether or not he retires and comes back. Um, so as far as what's next immediately, I would imagine it's Stipe versus John. And if I'm Sergey Pavlovich, I don't even sign to fight anybody else. Like just just hang out, wait for your your title shot, because even if it's for a vacant title, it's a title shot nonetheless. Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. I, I do feel well. For for one, Sergey is most definitely next. Regardless, uh, hopefully they can figure out what Stipe is up to with John Jones in that fight. I don't know what is the holdup because it's you know they have been trying to get that fight for over two years now, and it just seems like there's something holding him up. Um, but Sergey is most definitely going to be next. He was the uh, the backup fighter for when John Jones fought Cyril Gone, so you know he is most definitely ready. I. It was a great showing by Sergey on Curtis Blades. And uh, I don't know, you know, the John Jones it confuses me because, like, for me, if, if John Jones really feels that after he fights Stipe, then he's done, then everything in, in my power, if I was anything to do with UFC, would kind of hold off on the Stipe fight a little longer and be like, all right, let's get, let's get Sergey in there because you would want to see John Jones in there as much as possible. The pay-per-view buys for John Jones is as close to you're going to get as Conor McGregor. So, you know, you're going to make a lot of money anytime John Jones is on the main. And especially if you were able, which is not possible anymore, but if you were able to get him on International Fight Week, I felt that that was going to, you could have probably had the biggest gate you could have ever had. So um, if I were the UFC, obviously you're going to try to make John Jones steep because that's going to be one of the biggest headliners of all time. But if Stipe and John can't seem to come to this agreement right now, then I wouldn't waste any time with John because, you know, who know? I don't know what John's trying to do. Is he trying to wait it out? Is he trying to fight? I, I'm not sure. But I, I guess right now you're right. I think John Jones and Stipe is definitely going to be next. But it also begs the question, how much longer is Sergey going to have to wait? If John Jones and Stipe is really like destined for this November Madison Square Garden thing, Talking about Sergey probably not fighting for the title for a year plus. So that's a big wait for a guy who just come off of victory and should be the number one contender. You know, maybe you would do Sergey versus Cyril Gon, but the Gon fight doesn't really make much sense. It's just, I don't know. It's it's definitely very confusing within those top four or five guys right now in the uh, in the division. I just feel like at this stage of your career, no matter what, the next person you're going to face is going to be your greatest grappling test, right? No matter how you how you slice it, because you got through the Curtis Blades fight without having to deal with those with more than just one shot takedown that you saw coming from a mile away after you already heard him, right? So I just feel like take advantage of that time. I, I think if it's a money thing, we'll end up seeing him fight in a main event against X heavyweight, right? But it's a big gamble. I feel like he could the only other name that really comes to mind is someone like uh Tom Aspinall. Like so, someone someone coming up on that level. And it's like, why would you risk your standing, right? Because that's not an easy fight. That's that's not a hundred percent guarantee that you're gonna win. So um definitely wanna just 
at the end of the day, no matter how you slice it, when it comes to these contracts, it is the title shot that gets you the the life-changing money. It's written into your contract. So no matter who it's against, you might as well just wait it out if you have it. Um, but I would imagine if we do see him fight again before it's for the title, it's definitely a money thing, which kind of sucks because we could see a situation um, like Tony Ferguson, like Arnold Allen, right, where you go on this huge historic streak that goes into the UFC record book, but you don't even get a title shot off of it. Yeah, definitely. You could you, you could definitely see something like that, unfortunately. But I also want to ask you, too, keeping it in heavyweight, for Tom, uh, Tom Aspinall, you brought up a good point. You think him versus Tai Tuivasa would be next? Five versus six? I don't know if, if that's a possibility between when they fought last, but I feel like that's a good fight between who's, you know, really a top five fighter. I don't think Ty is going to fight Curtis Blaze anytime soon. So I think that's a good fight for between the two of them and, and their uh, the, the last times they both fought. I think that would be good. What do you think? I agree. That's a that's a great fight. I think Tom Aspinall is honestly, I would say the biggest prospect in heavyweight at this point from what I've seen. Right. Obviously coming off of a knee injury that's never something that you could just assume someone is who they were right um it's a it's a serious thing and in today's today's day and age we feel like it's almost inevitable like they'll be fine they come back but some people it a lot of things change from what i hear with him he's actually saying he feels a lot better after the surgery than he did even before because he trusts it in a way that he didn't before so that's interesting to see right see even potentially a better version a, a more lighter in your feet version of Tom Aspinall. I like that matchup a lot. I think it I think it's kind of the same test we've seen him pass a couple times though. Like I feel like even though Ty deserves that that standing in the rankings, um I feel like he benefited off of that win from Derek Lewis hugely, right? And put him in a in a spot in the division that I feel like isn't the best for him for where he is. I think he is someone that also needs a little bit more development time right to not be in the top five necessarily fighting the best guys uh because you're just getting almost sort of hung out to dry out there right by people that are uh, more skilled in certain areas to you he's not out his depths against guys like Cyril gone right but i just feel like with people who have a grappling threat um it's a complete different level so um like for example his fight against uh, sergey spivak that was a, a nightmare right and that 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 gets sort of passed over, right? Like, oh, it was just a certain part of his career that he had to get through. But we see that Sergey's still rising in this division too, right? Uh, and the last thing you want if you're Sergey Pavlovich is to try to sign a fight to to fight Sergey Spivak because uh, just a dangerous fight for no name there. Um, so I, I definitely do think that's a better fight for Tom Aspinall in this case, right? Tied to Avasa. I like it. it. It makes sense for a main event. So why not? Yeah, I feel I feel with Ty, he's a little bit inflated um, because it, it reminds me a little bit of Sean O'Malley where, you know, you fought a top guy at the time, you beat them, and then you get, like, this humongous jump in the rankings. And when, you know, when you fought, uh, I believe it was Greg Hardy, and then it was uh, Sakai, and then you go right into the Derek Lewis fight, and you have three straight knockouts like that. You go from 14th rank to three, in, a, in in one week because you beat someone like Derek Lewis. And then you look at Derek Lewis now, who I think is 11th. You know, Derek Lewis is coming off, is, is really sliding. So I think he definitely had a humongous jump there. But that's why, I like, I don't know whether they're going to push Ty back more to fight someone 
you know, around 10, 9. But, you know, if you're looking at Ty, who's 6, and Aspinall, I think, is 5, I think you could see who's really in the top 5 based off that. But I think, like you said, Aspinall is definitely one of the top prospects out there. And I don't want to rush him either. So it'll be definitely something to see um, moving forward with that. But I, I want to move toward the light heavyweight, which is definitely a good conversation point. First, uh, we have never talked about it on the mic, with, but I want to ask you, what did you think of, uh, as far back as this is, how, how, what did you think of Jamal Hill's beautiful victory against Glover Teixeira? So I'm so sorry to cut you off. I promise you I'm going to answer this question because I'm very excited for it. One of my favorite divisions at the moment just because the way things shaking out. But I wanted to ask this of each division, right? So this division is going to be particularly hard. So uh, we might as well do it real quick, right, before we move on. So sorry to sorry to, to steal the thunder there. Before the heavyweight division, looking at the top 15, the question is within the next two years, is there anyone outside of the top 15 um, that you think could break through and potentially be fighting for a title within the next two years. Now, heavyweight, in my opinion, is not the deepest of most weight classes. So honestly, I am looking at this division and having a hard time trying to think of someone. So I'm going to throw to you first. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Is there anyone at heavyweight outside of the top 15 that you could see uh, making a run for the title in the next couple of years? I would say in the next two, three years, no. But it's also in the next two years, we have no idea who the heavyweight champ will be because John Jones, I believe, will be retired by the next two, three years. I think Stipe will definitely be retired by then. So who knows what Ciro Gan will look like by then. Pavlovich might be the crown, might, might have the crown by then. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know necessarily who would be the champ before anyone who would necessarily make the run because I think the heavyweight division is just about to change over after John Jones's reign is over because I think it's going to be the new light heavyweight from two or three years ago where light heavyweight was constantly changing there was a bunch of new guys coming in you building that division and you have a you have some great heavyweights out there but I do think that each one of them has their flaws and oh it's so tough no, I, I don't think anyone that's unranked right now will get even a title shot within the next two years, I would say. Yeah, that's a good shout. I'm a little a little sad, right? Because a couple a couple months ago, we could have had uh, Jair Zinho. No, 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 sorry, excuse me. Uh, Jelton Almeida in this discussion because he wasn't ranked just yet, uh, but now he is, right? So can't count it in that case, which which sucks. So definitely, I agree. I think heavyweight, there aren't many dark horses and that speaks to the depth, right? I think there's a couple divisions coming up where we're going to have a, a bunch of different options that we could choose from. But sorry to cut you off there. Let's let's move on to the next question. Would you mind reiterating for the light heavyweight division? Sure, sure. I'm actually going to add a little bit to it. Um, Jamal Hill, now is a champion. First, I want to ask you, what did you think of that beautiful victory to claim it off of Glover Teixeira? And what do you think is next for him now that uh, we kind of sit here waiting to see what the light heavyweight division is all about? It's a great question, man. I 
I'm not sure. I, I feel like this is another one of those divisions that aren't too deep. And at the moment, obviously, uh, Yuri Prohoshka is the number one contender, the former champ. You could argue he deserves to be ranked one, right? He never lost his title in the cage. So you always feel like they're still the undisputed champ, right? Even though the division has moved on. Um, I think if he is healthy and ready to go in the summer, like um, everything is pointing to be right. That's how everything is being said at the moment. Then that's the next fight hands down. And I love it. I think, I think Yuri Prohachka is a madman. He's someone who is the opposite of risk averse, right? He's, he's a risk first fighter um, and very entertaining in that way, but also open to a lot of, Big shots from your opponent, and I don't think there's many people who have proven to be able to take big shots from Jamal Hill besides, like, Glover Teixeira, who I thought was being buoyed by it being his retirement fight and just pushing through everything. That was an insane display of heart that at times kind of got uncomfortable, right? So um, I think that's a dangerous fight for both of these guys, challenge, uh, challenger and champion. Um, but I do like Yuri Prohachka in that matchup just because... Both guys are so dangerous, and uh, one is really hungry to prove that he is still the champ. Um, I love to watch his run uh, coming through Ryzen and eventually making his way to the UFC. And honestly, I didn't see him becoming a champion as fast as he did, so was very shocked at his rise and very excited to see his growth coming off of another major surgery uh, in his shoulder. So I think that should be the next fight in the division. Uh, but either way, if that doesn't work out and if he's still injured or still needs more time, then you have to go with the Moe's of the light heavyweight division. Magomed Ankalaev, um, he, he he is the number one contender, right? You could argue he could have been or should have been the champ um, after such a very closely contested fight against Jan Blakowicz. Me personally, I had Jan winning, but I also value body shots and leg damage more than most people do. I will admit that. Um, so can be a little biased on that front, but uh, wouldn't be mad at seeing either of those, right? I, I think there has been some rumors of maybe Yuri potentially going down to 185 and challenging Adesanya for his belt there. That that would be interesting, but I feel like either one of those four guys uh, could find themselves in a title shot, and I'm, I won't be too mad about it. See, this is this is why I'm excited to talk about the white heavyweight because white heavyweight has a bunch of pieces right now. Some are moving down, potentially. Some are moving up, which I'll get to. But, yeah, Jamal Hill has definitely got a bunch of options. I don't think uh, Yuri's going to be ready probably until around December, I, I would I would suggest. Uh, so I think you're going to have to do at least one fight between that. I think Jamal Hill's going to want to do one fight between that. Yuri's definitely going to get the title fight whenever he's ready. You know, he was the champion. He you know was honorable about it. He dropped it. And, you know, Jamal Hill won it. I'm happy for Jamal. But I don't think until you beat Yuri, is, do you feel, I think even for Jamal, he'll agree with this, that you really feel like you're the champ champ. Like, you're officially, because you didn't beat someone. You didn't beat the champion. You beat another contender to get a vacant one, which is always going to cause controversy and questions and whatever. The fight between Jan and Magomed, that was so close. And it's funny that you say you thought Jan won. I actually thought that Magomed had pulled it off by... Uh, by the end because round three was very close but I, I felt four and five Jan was kind of just trying to stay in the fight trying not to gas out kind of staying away from him. I thought Magomed had done enough 
I think even Jan felt that Magomed had done enough, and he felt that he had lost the fight. So I, I am definitely curious to see what they do there. You know, and you have guys sitting still with Anthony Smith and Rockage. You, you have to figure out what, what's next for those two guys too. And then, which is another que- a question I'm going to bring to you, Pereira has announced that he is going to 205. So what is next for Alex Pereira? You know, is, does he get a title fight right off the bat? If I had to choose, I think he deserves one fight before, at least. I would fight a top five guy. I would put him against someone like Anthony Smith and see what he, what he could do against a top five light heavyweight. Because I think Pereira is a scary individual, obviously. But I do feel that he doesn't, and this may be a little harsh to say, but I do feel that he doesn't have the greatest of chins. And I do feel that he might be exposed by a little bit of a light heavyweight power. Uh, Adesanya is not really known for having crazy upper body strength power like that to to put people out, especially a light heavyweight. You know, um, he did knock out Rob Whitaker. I'm not saying that. And, you know, he had that incredible fight against Gastelum. But I don't know. You know, I've never seen a guy get knocked out cold like that and then move up thinking like he would be even better there. So mm-hmm. I wonder what Pereira is going to do. It definitely brings up the story because Pereira and, uh, you know, um, of course I'm blanking right. And Glover Teixeira, Pereira and Glover Teixeira were, you know, sparring partners, their best friends, you know, whatever. And then you see you're in the corner when Glover loses to Jamal Hill. So you have that storyline of him versus Jamal Hill eventually. But what do you think happens with someone like uh, Alex Pereira? Man, you gave a great path to the title for him. I think that's a very winnable fight against Anthony Smith. Even though I love me some Lionheart, I feel like he could also... uh, This this is the problem. I feel like he could, in that matchup, give him a horrible time on the ground. Do I trust him to do that? Uh, Probably not, right? Just because of the guy that Anthony Smith is. Um, But I feel like... There's two options, right? You could kind of slow play this or you could go the fast track the way you're going. Um, I personally just don't like that fight for Anthony Smith. Like, I just feel like you're just getting sent, like, (laughs) to the slaughter, almost like a Sean Strickland situation. Um, So, I don't know. I feel like you you could either super slow roll it, give him Dustin Jacoby coming off of a loss, another kickboxing storyline there. I believe they fought in glory once and he was able to uh, get to knock out Dustin Jacoby. So... Why not, right? We're running back all these uh, kickboxing fights. We might as well run back that one, too. Um, or potentially someone like Alexander Rockich also coming off of an injury, but uh, someone who I think is still at the top of this division as well and has a very well, well-rounded skill set and will be a big challenge in that way and almost an undeniable title shot, right? Just because uh, we, we saw uh, uh, Jan Blakovich get his title shot after beating him, even though it came off an injury win as well. So. Um, I think this division is a little top heavy, right? Like there's, there's some guys outside of the division that you can see making some noise. Uh, but I, I feel like all the, throughout that top six, top seven, uh, you can't really miss, right? You could just kind of pick one of those names and, and make it happen and, and it'll be a great fight. I just don't think you give Pereira a title fight immediately after a title fight loss. Um, just doesn't really make sense to me. And I think let him get acclimated to the weight class 
I think this actually is going to be good for him, though. I think it will help his chin because he obviously was dehydrating himself to an extreme rate uh, to get down to middleweight. So I think he'll definitely benefit from being at 205. I think that power, <laughs> if that doesn't transition, I'll be shocked. Um, I, I just feel like it's almost tailor-made for him to make a run if he continues to improve on the ground as he has showed. But once again, he hasn't fought anyone that has those specific skills. So to me, it's almost like if you're going to introduce it, introduce it in a, in a fight where it seems favorable. So I think you talked me into it. Uh, make the Anthony Smith fight. That That's the one to make. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm trying to give him someone that I definitely don't think he deserves a title shot. You know, you just come off of the title shot loss. I know you were, you know, the former champ or the current champ and then became former champ at middleweight and you did, you know, drop a bunch of weight in order to do it. And it definitely seems clear that the Adesanya Pereira situation and, you know, trilogy is never going to happen. And that's fine. I think you could definitely settle it. Uh, you fast-track Pereira to middleweight because of how exciting that storyline was. And I do think the UFC, as much as they like to climb ranks and, you know, build your way, if you have enough that the fans are talking about you constantly, you're going to get a bigger jump than most. And I think Pereira got that humongous jump, became a champion. His story is already solidified. You know, he is always going to be a UFC champion. But now, you know, going to 205, you kind of wipe that slate clean. And I think, I don't think they're going to throw him against Dustin Jacoby. I don't think they're going to throw him into a ranked fight, you know, around 15, 14. But I do see a top five fight. And I think that Anthony Smith's been waiting around a while. And I think that would be a perfect fight. For Anthony Smith, you know, you have a veteran like that coming in against a guy who hasn't fought at 205 before at the UFC level. You know, that would be a great start of it is, you know, will the veteran get the best of either the newcomer, so to speak, or will the former champion Pereira come in and just absolutely dominate someone like Anthony Smith and show that he's better than the top five veteran that's been sitting at the light heavyweight and then really make some noise. And you got to see, too, how will his chin stand up and how will his cardio stand up in a fight against someone like Anthony Smith, who has some great cardio. So I, I do think that that's a, a big tell also with Pereira. He doesn't have a lot of MMA experience. You know, he doesn't have the biggest of records. It's, you know, he, like you said, got fast-tracked up there. So I think that would be a very, very interesting fight. You could do even Johnny Walker, something like that, somewhere where he could get in against a guy who's also trying to climb. You know, try to get one more attempt at a title shot. And, you know, you definitely don't want to just have him go up against someone like Yuri or, or, uh, or, um, yeah, or Yuri or Jamal. You could do something like Jan Blachowicz. I just don't think that's a good idea right now. I think so. That's why I feel Pereira against a top five is perfect. Make it like a co main or a fight night main event, five rounds. I think that's the way to go. But, you know, until then, I think Jamal Hill will end up fighting, uh, fighting against someone like Magomed and then Pereira or Yuri, depending on if uh, Yuri's ready to go. He's always going to be a champ in my book because he smokes backwards in between camp. You, lo you love to hear it. But I got to ask, I, I got three names outside of the top 15 that I think could potentially make a title run here. So I'm going to ask you first just to to give the opportunity, right? Give you the opportunity to knock off one of those names potentially. So I'm not stealing all your thunder. So is there anyone at light heavyweight you could see potentially making a run within the next two years? 
outside of unranked? the top 15. Yep, unranked. Ooh, okay. All right. Um, this is a tough one because the guys out there, I feel like the top 10 light heavyweights right now could all be potential fight uh, championship fighters. Or mm-hmm. Ooh, this is so tough. I'm going to go with, I don't think Carlos Oberg is enough. I don't know. I just don't have that. I don't have that feeling with him for some reason. Maybe someone like Devin Clark, but also, um, I I'm so on the fence with this because they're still so fresh. They're so young. Maybe someone like Kennedy. Yeah, I don't. This is too tough. What, what what do you got? What do you have? I have to hear this from you. Yes, I like that. So you you named two of them. I think as far I'm gonna rank these as far as least likely to most likely in my eyes, right? So I think Kennedy and Zechiku is on the rise. I think buy yourself some Kennedy and Zechiku stock. Do I think he's gonna end up fighting for the title? Probably not. Um, I think he'll end up finding a, a loss to a, a prospect lost along the way. But I have been really liking his improvement. And his ability to be very coachable in the octagon. I think that's a skill within itself. And when you have one of the best coaches in the game in Safe Sayud, uh, you love to see an athlete that really comes to bat uh, to to answer what their coach is asking of them. Uh, that's a really important skill. And I think he's shown that in spades. So he's a huge physical specimen. Uh, you never count out guys upside when they're uh, f- athletic freaks like that. Uh, but do I do I honestly see him making a title run? Probably not. My number two guy on this list, uh, someone I've seen the most improvement of in the last three fights, Carlos Olberg. I know you said it. He, you, you probably don't see him just there. But I just think with his relationship to Izzy Adesanya, and of course, the man looks like he belongs on the GQ cover, right? So when you have a face like that and a body like that, respectfully, the UFC is going to push you, right? So I could see a situation where he ends up in deeper water earlier than he should be. Um, I, I ultimately think he also does fall along the way, uh, but I, would, I, I wouldn't I would be surprised if we see him fight for a title before it's all said and done. Next two years is going to be tough. But as far as who I'm picking, my dark horse, someone who just got re-signed to the UFC and who I thought didn't deserve to get cut when he did, Modestus Bukowskis, her, Sir Bukaki himself, um, someone who I think has shown a real huge skill development, especially in his time in Cage Warriors, um, much more reserved, much more calculated in his approach, but also devastating, right? Finding finishes in those fights. It was a decision against Tyson Pedro for his UFC debut, but he put it together so well on short notice. Uh, can't wait to see what he's able to put together on a full camp. Love to see him back in his division, and I think he could definitely make a run soon. That's a good choice, and I I went right over him. What do you What do you I have to ask you What do you see in Olberg that I may not be seeing? What can you tell us, the fans listening right now, like yes. something that that you could see in him, where you know he just has that edge that you know obviously he's buddies with Adesanya and all that, and you see him all the time on the uh, whatever those those UFC little shows are every time there's a fight week embedded that's what it's Mm -hmm. called i love how i'm fighting but on embedded so what do you see in him that can potentially put him in you know top 15 rank within let's say a year 
I just think he has such a layered striking game that's rare to find in any division, but especially at light heavyweight, the guys that he's going to face, I think they're tailor-made to fall into a lot of the traps that he can execute as well as his team, right? City kickboxing. I think that's his biggest asset. You're training with the champ on an everyday basis in Adesanya. And from what I understand, that's one of his main training partners. So you see those stylistic similarities. I think he is even a little bit more raw than Adesanya as far as um, the the defensive awareness, especially on the feet, uh, which is hard to hard, a hard thing to have when you when you're in a division with big hitters, right? So it's a dangerous thing. But as far as his feints, the way he catches guys on offbeat counters. Um, I just think he's very sophisticated in his striking approach and levels above the, his competition. So it's almost like in, in most fights, he's going to be in a place where if he's able to keep in control of himself, not gas out and and pepper guys from the outside, he could win most fights off of decisions, almost like Adesanya, just putting yourself in a in a in the best position to land and not get hit. Um, I think the more opponents can extend exchanges with him, the better for them. Um, but I, I've just liked his more disciplined approach as well as being able to find big power shots on a consistent basis that we didn't really see earlier on in his UFC career. Hmm. I'm definitely going to start watching out for that now because I don't know. I, I always felt that, uh, I've watched a couple of his fights and I just, I don't know. I feel like, you know, obviously he's still so fresh, so anything could change. Like I never thought Adesanya would eventually become a champion after seeing him two or three times in the UFC, but, you know, it, it, it definitely turned out that way. So what they're, whatever they're doing there is working. So I'm, I'm going to start paying attention more, seeing if he could crack the uh, top 15 within a year's time. And but, that's interesting. That's interesting that you didn't think that yeah. way because I knew about yeah. Asanya coming in from before. Like when, when he – I followed him on EFC and even before he got into the, into the UFC. So I was like – I think title run is very likely here. And obviously he's on my header, right? So I, I got a, I got a thing for him in his camp. Of course, I'm a big fan of what they do. So may, maybe that's rubbing off on me a little bit, uh, but definitely check that out. I think you'll be surprised for what you see, especially considering how he looked in his debut against Kennedy. He looked great until he gassed out, right? Like he was putting it on him until, until he got tired. So um, I feel like he corrected a lot of those mistakes and, and, and you'll definitely see that in the film uh, with the last couple of ones, but uh, moving on to the next division, I'll, I'll intro this one, right? I might as well. I might as well. It can't give you all the work here. So 185, this is a division that is very tough, right? Because I think the right matchup, the matchup that we should have gotten is Izzy versus Pereira four. Well, for what is it? Five at this point. Um, unfortunately, Pereira can't make the weight so that we can't get that fight. Um, I think there's a couple of different directions they could have gone, but they have already inked a couple fights, right? So we can't go in those directions anymore. Um, right now, I'm looking at uh, Whitaker versus um, <clears throat> Drickus Duplessis as far as a next potential title contender. Um, there was some talk that Izzy wanted to defend his belt before a potential fight, like almost on the same track as uh, Robert Whitaker versus Duplessis. I can't imagine who that would be, right? Like just sort of looking at the division. He's already fought all of these guys at once, if not twice. Um, so it's kind of tough to to imagine him fighting someone before then. 
Um, I was hoping that they could have went with uh, Whitaker for the third fight. I'm one 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 of the lone people who thought that uh, Robert Whitaker won the second encounter. Uh, so uh, uh, call me crazy on that again. This is the second time now, right? I'm on the I'm on the the bad end of a of a, a, a decision that went the other way. But in retrospect, I think that fight was a lot closer than people gave it credit for. So I would love to see a third fight between them. I think he's only improved since then. And I just love Robert Whitaker's game. He's an all time great in middleweight whether whether or not people give him in the, the respect he deserves so i was hoping that's the direction they'll go um obviously it depends on who wins that fight right so i would imagine whoever gets that win will get a title shot if we're just having fun and picking a name out of a hat right the only person that really makes sense is vittori but you fought him twice already I, i'm not sure and the second one wasn't a block a blockbuster either right so i don't think you want to run that back a third time so at this point, you kind of ju just got to wait for that number one contender title fight, which um, if any, if the rumors of him being injured to his meniscus, I think it was before the Pereira fight is any true, then just take the time to heal up and wait to find out who your next opponent is, I guess. But um, this division is actually one of honestly the more stale, in my opinion, one where there's a lot of guys at the top who's already fought the champ. So it's hard to really imagine where we're going next and almost sort of wait, begging for a contender to break through to the next level. Um, so how do you feel about middleweight and everything I've just said? I know I gave you a lot to chew on there. Well, the tough thing about Adesanya right now and in the middleweight division is that, like you said, there are a lot of guys who are already signed and wrapped up. Um, you know, you already have, two, three, four, five, and six already in fights. You know, Robert Whitaker is going to fight Duplessis. Vittori is fighting Cannoneer. You have Costa, who is rumored to fight Hamzat. If that's true at all, which I, I believe it is, if not, the only thing I could see if you really wanted to do some fresh blood, which he definitely doesn't deserve, would be someone like Hamzat Shemaev, who's going to most likely move to 185. I just don't see that as realistic so that that's out uh Derek Brunson I think is retiring if I if I or should retire I'm not sure what he's going to do there Sean Strickland at seven just makes no sense to me uh, I know he's fighting soon I think in, in the next uh month or two and so I, he's already locked up so you really don't have anywhere to go if you're out of sign that's why I thought the Pereira five I guess fight really did make sense because it it, it bought time for Adesanya, if he were to win again, it bought time to and you know for someone like Whitaker and Duplessis to you know fight. And Adesanya, as we've always known throughout his career, is someone who fights three times a year. He wants to fight. As soon as he finishes a fight, he's on the mic talking about his next fight. Like you know, and he definitely had some no name shoutouts or, or callouts, I should say, to someone like Duplessis. He was clearly talking about him, and uh, you know you have a little bit of a storyline there. So I think it's a little bit overhyped, sure, but I think it's definitely something interesting. Duplessis is on a nice winning streak. Whitaker definitely deserves at least a third fight. I, I do feel like the second fight was extremely close, but I did feel Adesanya won. And, uh, you know, I think Whitaker is one of three or four people in this entire UFC roster who, if one person didn't exist like Adesanya, they would be a champion. And mm -hmm. you, know, you could have that for someone like Whitaker, for someone like Colby, for someone even like Dustin Poirier, who is always 
a gatekeeper for you know that number one contender. So I I believe that that Adesanya really doesn't have anything to do right now. I don't see him going up to light heavyweight like people have been saying. I think he's tried it. I think he realizes maybe it's not it's not worth it. I I don't see a, a situation where he goes back up there unless some way Jan is a champion again and maybe he wants that rematch. But I think that's the only shot really he goes back to light heavyweight. I don't see him dropping down. I think he's kind of just stuck. And that's the thing too where let's just say, right? Adesanya fights someone like Whitaker. Let's say Whitaker beats Duplessis, which is probably, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, favorite to do so. The sure. fa- yeah, he's definitely the favorite to win. I think he will. Let's say Whitaker wins. They run it back a third time. Adesanya wins again. Then literally what next? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the problem when you wipe a division twice. It makes you think of the UFC video game. When you just wipe a division three times, you're just fighting the same names. 30 years later, like it just, it doesn't end. So it's just, <laughs> yep, yep, that's so true. I love that. That's so true. I actually was just looking, I was just making some deep cuts. So I love the way you're going with this question because I think the UFC really needs to put themselves in a better position to get these top 15 fighters to defend their rankings. I think there's a lot of guys that are coming up that are getting big spots, which I love to see. Uh, But I'm going to rattle off some names here, right? For potential people that I think are next. I think the number one person on my list, the person I would go with as far as who I think would be my um, outside of the top 15 fighter to make a run within the next two years, I would say Kyle Bohio. Obviously, we just saw him get a big dub over the weekend. I've been a huge fan of him since his fight of the contender series. I think he's shown consistently that he has good fight IQ and puts himself in good spots. Also has shown that he can get hurt, right? But in the process has also overcome those things and and has been looking better every time out. So I, I would say that's my number one prospect in this division. But what they need to do for this whole division is just make sure that the new guard is fighting the old guard. Because I think there's a lot of guys that I'm about to name. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through, I'm gonna rattle off a lot of names here that I think you put them against anyone in that top 15 and you could argue that they're, they could come out on top. I think there's a lot of sleepers at the bottom of this division that just haven't broken through yet, uh, but matchup dependent. I think they could find themselves in the top 15 in their next five fights. So here we go. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of names here. So bear with me. First one up, I'm going Christian Leroy Duncan coming off of a huge win against Dusko Todorovic. Obviously, unfortunately it was an injury, but he was obviously dominating before that as well. So Big fan of his work, especially in Cage Warriors. I think he's looked super dynamic on the feet, which is always fun in a, in a new prospect and also has the grappling chops to back it up too, right? So you love a well-rounded prospect in that way. So keep your eye out for Christian Leroy Duncan. Next one, this is a this is a sleeper, right? But I think this is someone who's also coming out better on the side of the development tree, right? This is someone who's been in the UFC for a while now, uh, but keeps looking better in my opinion. And that's Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I think he is someone that could find himself in the top 15 as well, just, just off of pure power, right? Uh, he looks great coming off the bus. And honestly, those are the guys that that end up uh, in your top 15 when you can match uh, that sort of firepower to actual skill. And he's just been getting better, especially on the feet. So that's another name to look out for. Big one. I, I'm going to mess this one up, but... Uh, Busipian Magomedov. Um, 
only had one fight in the UFC, a dominant knockout against Dustin Stolfoots. Right, you, you stumbled through him, but we get through him, baby. Um, I, I'm really excited to see his next fight. I believe he's signed to fight Sean Strickland, which is almost just out of nowhere, right? You, it's very rare for contenders to accept fights like that with guys that are, he could argue he's probably like top 40 in the division. Uh, so I love to see that. Shout out to Sean for taking that fight. But man, this guy has scary skills, like scary skills on the feet. S uh, super technical and super powerful. Like every everything I've seen him land has been devastating and just looks so crisp and fluid in a way that is rare to find at middleweight, honestly. A lot of the top 15 fighters, I'm looking at you, Duplessis, uh, they can look a little a little boxy out there is how I like to, to describe it. A little, a little tight, right? Uh, he is not one of those guys. He has a fluidity of motion that is rare to find in middleweight. So keep your eye out for Mr. Magomedov, right? I'm not going to try that first name again. Next up, Mahmoud Muradov. He's coming off of two L's in his last two fights, but against grappling dominant fighters, he's someone who also has a real mix of fluidity and power, uh, probably on the lower end of prospects when we're considering the last couple of names I've dropped, uh, but also someone to look out uh, for nonetheless. And then we got Bo Nickel, right? Uh, that, a big, big name prospect. Obviously going to take him some time to get through the division, but I feel like that's someone who's going to skyrocket just based off talent alone, right? A couple of guys, I'm going to try to run through this a little quick because I got a couple names in here. Roman Kapilov. I... If you asked me after his first two fights whether or not I, I liked his game, I would have said no. Uh, this is the poster boy for for being a young fighter and coming to the UFC and really developing your skills throughout your run. Made a big turnaround in his last two fights, getting two big Ws against Puna Soriano and Alessio De Chirico. Uh, big fan of his game as well. Poised on the feet and just nasty, like coming for your body. Uh, c coming to do damage, and and those are the guys that the UFC likes as well. So love his his direction, this division, and then uh, these last couple ones I think are the more serious contenders, right? People who I think um, are definitely on their way. I think Andre Petrosky has looked phenomenal. Um, I initially wasn't as high on him as I am now. I thought coming off of the Ultimate Fighter, he looked he had some clear. Uh, discrepancies, especially in the striking. I think he's worked on that to a great bit, but also has just gotten much better at hunting his advantages off the rip. And I think that's important, um, especially in this division where there are some a lot of guys on the way up that you could exploit having a grappling advantage against. Uh, so I'm interested to see where his run goes. And then, of course, one of my favorite prospects, someone that doesn't get the respect, in my opinion, for how good he is. Jun Young Park, the Iron Turtle. Um, I don't know why no one likes him as a prospect or no, he doesn't get the love, but I love his game, man. Real meat and potatoes, but in your face and will come through hell to get dubs and comeback ways. Uh, really big fan of everything he does on the ground, obviously working the turtle. That's that's what his name is. That's what he's known for. But one of my favorite positions, another underrated guy that works the turtle, Kelvin Gastelum. Shout out to shout out to Big Kelvy. Uh, but I'm a big fan of Jun Young Park, and I think he has a higher ceiling in this division than most people give him credit for. He's a little small for the division, so I get it, especially when there's such big physical specimens like the next three guys I'm going to name. Uh, but I'm a big fan of his skills. And at the end of the day, that's what wins fights. Next up, Gregory Rodriguez, a brick shithouse. Um, no matter who he fights, 
Uh, they're in for a goddamn war. He's he's probably going to get hurt along the way, right? He's someone that that goes through hell, but you have to take him out of there. And if you can't, he is going to be on that ass. A big fan of his game as well. He has great grappling chops that we don't often get to see just because of how forward he is with his striking. So a big fan of his game and looking forward to seeing uh, what he has coming next, coming off of a knockout loss. Armin Petrosian, a guy that also uh, <laughs> fought him and is coming off of a loss from uh, Kyle Bahio, but bounced back against A.J. Dobson. I actually like A.J. Dobson, too, even though he's coming off of two losses. I'm a fan of his game, so watching him get that win, interested in his prospects. He's another guy who is very fluid on the feet um, and just has a very diverse striking game. And I think at this division specifically, uh, you could give a lot of problems with just that. And then the last name, actually, yeah, because Nasruddin Imovov is in the top 15 now. So I can't keep touting this name. He's in the top 15. So my last one, Joe Pfeiffer, obviously coming off of a huge win against Gerald Michart. Just, just, a, just a dog out there, right? So this is 10-plus people, right? And this is that middleweight that you could see making a run, but they just haven't broken through that ceiling yet. Please, UFC, stop making them fight each other. I got so mad when Gregory Rodriguez fought Chitty and Jaquani. I'm like, just put them both in the top 15 at this point. Stop letting these young prospects take each other out and start making some movements happen in this middleweight division. Dude, you said so many names there that, like, I was trying to keep up. <laughs> because now I, I want to ask you about um, at least two of them. Well, and, and this is not one of them, but... I want to ask you, Bo Nickel, everyone's talking about that guy. Everyone knows who he is. So I will ask you, do you think Bo is around two fights away for fighting in the top 15? I would say in most traditional UFC careers, yes. I think you want to slow track a guy like that, especially because, yes, he has good skills and great skills in grappling. He, we have no idea what the striking is going to look like in this level. Obviously, we saw some of those exchanges in his um, fights coming up in LFA and things like that, but it's not at the level, right? We don't, we haven't seen those uh, extended periods on the feet, so I'm interested to see how that plays out. I think you slow roll them. I think even three fights before we get to the top 15, depending on how they go, um, it would be the best thing for him. Do I? Imagine a world where he gets a top 15 guy in the next fight and wins. Yeah, like I think that's totally possible. You can probably put him right in the top 15 and he'll probably get a win against certain guys there. Uh, but I just feel like you take your time with him specifically. Uh, but there's a couple guys that are ready to go, in my opinion, in this division. Yeah, I, I asked because the UFC likes to pick at least one guy per division that they can hype up to climb the ranks and everyone can grow. And I don't know if they do it because of, you know, hopefully being the next Conor McGregor sort of aspect. Yep, definitely. But he's definitely one of those names that sure. he's so hyped up that, you know, they, there's like three or four of them right now that they want to be the guys that just, you know, you give them these, not to say that they're not bad fighters, but guys that you think that the rank, you know, the minus 700 to win, like it's, that's how much they believe and want them to win so that they can keep climbing, the buys continue, and, you know, everyone's paying attention. Bo Nichols already on the main event. You know, he's only fight fought in MMA style five times, six times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's already 
uh, on a main card, it's you know I think they'll definitely hype him. I think he'll really only get one more unranked before they start throwing him a top fifteen guy. But it's definitely something to see. The two guys I wanted to ask you about, and which you just tell me right off the bat if you've said these because I they were definitely it's all good. No worries, no worries. <laughs> one, I have to ask you about Bruno Ferreira. Do you think anything where he could crack the top fifteen? You know, let's say this time next year. Man, I hate to sound like a hater, right? He knocked out one of the guys that I rattled off um, in Gregory Rodriguez. I think he's a tank, right? I'm not a hater in that way. I think he's a tank. I, I think no matter what, he has the power to take guys out. So that's always a big a big thing in this division. I just personally haven't liked what I've seen from him before the UFC. I think obviously he got a big knockout, but uh, very face forward in his approach. and And I think... Uh, can get hung out to dry in certain matchups with guys that start a little quicker. Uh, so I thought that was a tailor-made sort of short-notice opportunity for him. Um, but once again, that sounds like me being a hater, right? I think when it comes to knockout artists, it's hard to for me to take them seriously as prospects until I see a little bit more just because um, it, it, in a lot of these matchups, a lot of things aren't going your way until they are. And, and I kind of felt like even even against a slow started like Gregory Rodriguez, that's kind of what happened a little bit. So I'm not exactly sold on his prospects. But when you have power like that, you can't count those guys out for sure. Um, and, and I think the UFC is always looking to push people like that. So I could definitely see him making some waves in this division. Do I think he's sort of top 15 material? I'm not sure. Uh, but he's proven it, right? So we'll see. We'll see if I end up biting the bullet on that. But at the moment, I'm not a big fan of his upside long term. Uh, but I think he'll definitely find himself in the top 15 fight for sure. Yeah, that leads me to my next guy, too, which he's definitely been in the UFC for, I would like to say, four or five years now. And I, I, I'm saying I'm talking about Anthony Hernandez or Fluffy, whatever you want to call him. Um, you know, ever since losing to Kevin Holland in 2020, uh, he's been on, I think, on a three-fight win streak. Mm-hmm. What do you think of him? I, I feel like he's more of like a veteran now. He's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. But I do feel that, you know, he's on a nice run. I And, you know, I think two submissions in the last three. He's, uh, he's for one, pretty substantially in the last three. You see him cracking a top 15 fight by, let's just say, like I said, this time next year. I'm so glad you named him because he's honestly one of my favorite fighters on the roster. I love... I love me a dude who, with all due respect, is not on the same level as his peers in his division athletically and just continues to make up for it by skill development and having an insane motor. Like, those are my guys. So shout out to Fluffy Hernandez. I'm loving his skill development and the way he's grown in approach since his time early on in the UFC. There was a time where he really wasn't he wasn't doing much more than just kickboxing. And, and now he's really mixing in everything together. I'm a big fan of his game. I just think he also ends up being in that sort of James Krause position in the division where you're good enough to beat most guys, uh, but your athletic skills sort of let you down in, in sort of top matchups in that division. So I, he's another one of those guys that I think will, 
is matchup dependent who against people who have suspect gas tanks can extend people and and really wear them out uh but i could also see him in certain matchups just getting sort of hurt early and blown out the water against someone who's just more athletically superior than him at middleweight so i don't get me wrong i've loved the way he's filled in at, at middleweight so far but remember he used to fight at, at welterweight and and was wasn't big for welterweight either so um He's filled out great, and his skill development is there. Like I said, I just feel like he ends up hitting a certain athletic ceiling in this division. Because think about the top 15, man. There's so many guys who you could argue technically aren't really at that level. But athletically, that's what that's what really puts them past uh, a lot of those gatekeepers. Yeah, I think it's – I think everyone that's unranked right now, I would say between like 30 and 16, I think – Honestly, within a year's time from now, I would see probably like seven or eight of them cracking top 15. I think you're going to see a nice rollover in the division where certain guys start you know, moving toward the back end and these kids start coming in. And I, I do see someone, like I just said, I know Anthony Hernandez is sort of a veteran, like I said, but I think he's on a little bit of a run. I think he could definitely push himself back into a top 15. And you know, when, you, when you've been around the UFC long enough, I think you start asking yourself, can I win a belt at this weight? You know, you've been, mm -hmm. I think this is like a six fight already in UFC. He's unranked right now. So, you know, you've got to ask yourself, if you put yourself in this run, you could get yourself back into potentially fighting a top guy. And then I think, I think someone like Buffy, I think he's got a legitimate shot to crack the top 15, even the top 10, if he continues on this mm -hmm. role. I, I do want to ask you though, um, Last thing I want to say before we move to the next division, uh, talking about the upcoming number one contender fight in Robert Whitaker and Driscus Duplessis, uh, I have it that Whitaker will win and there will be a third fight. That's just my feeling. But I feel this way because I feel Duplessis is a great fighter, fantastic fighter. I love watching him fight. I just feel he's a little bit overhyped right now because of what he said. About the whole Africa thing, mm -hmm. if he never made that comment, I don't think anyone would really be considering him as in number one contention fight right now. But also because the division is so locked up, because Israel's already wiped everyone out, he's kind of one of the only fresh faces out there, along with Strickland. Mm -hmm. Do you really see a, a way or a situation, a situation where Duplessis can shock the world and beat Whitaker? And do you feel that Duplessis might be a little overhyped right now? Man, people are going to be shocked when I say this. I I think Robert Whitaker is the the favorite for a reason, but I do see a world where he can shock him. I think his best win on his resume is the Roberto Solodich win in KSW. And to those days, the both of those fights were insane. Like they ended up being one-sided at the end, right? But both of those fights were were great displays of the kind of athlete he is and also the way he responds to adversity. I think he's someone that Regardless, I mean, like, regardless of how hard he's out there breathing, um, his output isn't stopping, right? So cosmetically, it might not look the best, right? He might look like he's really extremely tired. And don't get me wrong, probably is. Uh, but it's not like he's getting tired and not doing anything. He's getting tired and still throwing punches, still um, putting himself in interesting grappling positions. Now, there are moments where 
it's just very clear. Once again, it's that athlete thing. Like he's such a freak athlete that you could tell he gets away with a lot. So there's times in fights where he does get tired and he does get a little sloppy and he starts trying to do those things that normally he gets away with, like throwing people over his head and he ends up throwing people into top position right on top of himself. Um, So I can see a world where that fight goes tragically wrong for him. I could also see a world where he cracks Whitaker early, stays on him and takes him out. Like, I I think that's all very much in the possibility here. I think he's that kind of an athlete and also that kind of a, a dog, right? Like, I just feel like he has that in him. And if he gets hurt, he's not shying away. Like he, he will continue through that uh, damage to try to land his own. So I like his prospects in the division because of that, but I agree. I think he's someone that is very raw and would benefit from having a slower role. But honestly, can you hate on someone making a, making a play to make themselves the top fighter in the division? Like, was he getting that shot without talking that shit? I don't think so. So uh, put himself in a number one contender fight just by opening his mouth. And that's what the UFC wants. And that's what the, the consumers want. Like, you can't say it isn't when these become the top stories in MMA. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you. Like I said, you know, I think if he never said what he said, we're talking about him, you know, fighting a top five guy and not considering him maybe another until the end of the year, possibly, depending on the situation. But it's definitely going to be a fantastic fight. No, no doubt about it. But I, I want to move toward... 170 in the welterweight division. Uh, we were together when we saw Leon Edwards defeat Kamaru Usman in the trilogy. That was a fantastic fight. I thought it was um, interesting, to say the least. Seeing Usman actually lose by decision, it actually felt like he lost the fight. You know, Obviously, he lost to Edwards prior, but it, it felt like Usman was winning that fight, and you know, everyone speculated. It was the, oh, you know, he messed up one time. It was just one thing, but Seeing Usman lose was uh, definitely interesting, to say the least. And I'll get to him in a minute. But I want to ask you now, With it's basically going to be set in stone that Edwards and Colby Covington are fighting for the title. I don't like it. I don't think Colby deserves it, so to speak. But at the same time, if you look at everybody else, you know, it. I don't think Hamzat deserves it either. I don't think Bilal Muhammad or Gilbert Burns deserve it yet. I think they were close at the time when uh, Dana, you know, decided that Colby was next, and uh, so I, I, I obviously understand it now, but I have to ask you, Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, first. It's gonna be my first question. What do you think of that fight, and how do you see it going? Great question, man. I, I, I just want to say off rip. I would argue Gilbert and Bilal have better cases to be in this title fight than Kobe Covington does. But that doesn't, that doesn't, I guess that doesn't change the reality of this being a very competitive fight. I think, I think this is one of the tougher fights for Leon in the division. And it's specifically because the doggedness that Colby pursuits to take the takedown and the output that he puts on people, those are all things that have, have been shown to give Leon trouble, right? Um, I think the way that he outstruck Kamaru in the last one makes you feel like he will build a game around that, that makes this fight very easy. Um, But I I think the speed of Kobe Covington is going to shock some people in this matchup. I think he throws a lot of things with speed versus with power. 
And I think early on, especially, he's going to give um, Leon Edwards a lot of a lot of tough time between the speed on the outside and then shooting in for takedowns. Um, I think eventually uh, Leon Edwards gets a, a, a better sort of uh, response to those shots over time. Um, but I think this is a, a fight that you could even argue might be a split decision come the end of it. I don't think this is going to be one-sided in either direction. Um, I think it's going to start out more so Colby's fight. And then as it develops, uh, lean more towards Leon Edwards. My pick here is Leon Edwards. Um, but I think this matchup specifically is forcing him to show us a lot of things that I'm not sure we've seen yet out of uh, this kind of a matchup. Because there aren't a lot of guys like this in the, in the division, right? Or in any division uh, that can pursue the takedown this much as well as be quick on the feet and, and do enough to stay um, productive there, right? So I'm not as much as I'm not a fan of Kobe Covington. I, I think you got to respect the skills and focus on that when you're making these breakdowns. And I think this is a closer fight than most people are giving credit for. I think it's definitely going to be close. And I think it's going to be close because, you know, obviously Leon Edwards has this nice win streak, not taking that away from him, but I feel like it's all what's in here, how he feels that day, you know, in his head. You could get someone where if he feels defeated like he did in the second fight against Kamaru, you know, obviously he ends up winning off of a crazy head kick and unbelievable story, but he was going into those rounds. And you you saw it on TV, like he was quitting on himself. And if Colby can bring him to the point where he wants to quit or he can't get anything going, you might see someone like Colby end up just out wrestling him to a point to out and getting the points to beat him. So I think Colby can definitely get it done, but I, I feel Edwards is a tougher matchup, and I think Edwards should win. But honestly, I could definitely see a situation where Colby does become a champion, and then that sparks a whole other conversation because you have someone like Usman who kind of is the gatekeeper now, right? He can't fight Edwards again. He's not going to fight for a title. You know, I don't see a situation where he's fighting – Gilbert Burns or Mablah Muhammad after after they fight after that. I think Ham I don't know what Hamzat's doing. I don't think he's fighting at 170 anymore. I think that's pretty set in stone about that. I, I think if everything would have worked out with the whole weight thing with Hamzat, for some reason they decided to put him against Nate Diaz. Even with that, I don't think he would have stayed. I think kind of wasted our time with that. Incredible fight between him and Gilbert Burns. But that was kind of, you know, like we just wasted two years watching Hamzad if you're just going to want to fight at 185 anyway. So that brings the question. You're right. I, I do I do feel Bilal deserves the shot. I just didn't, with the way you, like, with the way we were speaking just, you know, a couple minutes ago, with, like, the way you talk your way into a fight, not a lot of fans are really begging for a Bilal Muhammad title fight. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, he's not one of those names you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see him next. <laughs> you're kind of just, like, when he fights, you're like, oh, good. Hell yeah, this definitely makes the card better. But you're not like make or break on buying the UFC pay-per-view because Bilal's in it, you know? So I think of based off the names he's defeated, you know, you beat Wonderboy and you beat Luke handedly. And then obviously beating Sean Brady, who was the next big thing. At the and time. the way he beat him, too. Oh, like, yeah, 100%. That shit was so impressive. So impressive. And, and to take that fight, to put yourself 
fighting a guy behind you because UFC asked you to, to fight a prospect who's on the rise and then to beat him the way you do, like that, to me, I felt at that moment, put him in the top three because I felt like he deserved it. Because if you're beating this guy, you, you, you put a whole camp into fighting a guy behind you. Not many top five guys are going to do that. They want to fight guys ahead of them to get that title fight next. So I do really respect Bawa Muhammad. And then Gilbert Burns, you got to give him the respect too. This guy's fighting third time in, I think, what, six cards, five cards? So he, he's so desperate to get that title fight again. So I am super excited for UFC 288 that comes up next week because that, to me, proves who's obviously next. I think that's pretty set in stone. Who's so I got to put you after? on the spot. I got to put you on the Go spot ahead. then. Who wins that fight? And how? Oh, that's so tough. See, I, I have been thinking about this a little bit just really today, and I, I do feel Gilbert Burns wins, and I think it's going to be a brawl, an absolute brawl. I think this could go down as one of the best fights of the year, I hope, because if it's a stinker, I'm going to be very upset. But I do think five rounds, you know, you have to ask for five rounds. You're bringing in Bilal, who's cutting a lot of weight, just to make this fight happen on such short notice. And you have someone like Gilbert who's so freaking hungry ever since losing to Hamza to get back into title contention because he wants the belt bad. He wants it so bad. He wanted it so bad when he lost to his old sparring partner, Usman. He's crying. You know, he wants it. And he feels, and he said in interviews, that he feels he could absolutely dominate Leon Edwards when he gets the chance. And it's funny because nobody was talking about Leon Edwards when he wasn't champ. But now he's champ, everyone talks about him now, which is one of the funniest things to me. So I, I feel Burns wins by decision. I would, if, I, if I was going to put a scorecard on it, I have it 49-46 for Gilbert, as crazy as that sounds. Wow, and I like that. Yeah, I, I, it's just how I feel. Uh, I think Gilbert does enough so that when Leon or Obi fight Gilbert next, then it's going to be an incredible fight. But I don't know. You know, I don't know if I see Gilbert as a champion. And that's because maybe, you know, the way I saw that fight with Kamaro the first time, you know, at first I thought, oh, look, he's putting it on Kamaro. But the jab of Kamaro Usman really stunted Gilbert. Mm -hmm. And I feel that hasn't changed. Like He was stunted a lot with Hamzat's uh, jab as well. So you know what his issue is. And obviously Gilbert, a tank, he's a dog. He'll fight anyone at any time. But you know, with champions, you don't, you really are, as a fighter, as a fan, you're really trying to find the hole. Okay, he's got an issue here. Oh, it's going to be tough to get that out of him. It's going to be tough to exploit that. But I don't know, but Gilbert, I feel like there's a big issue there. And Bilal could definitely overtake it and, you know, beat him. But I don't know. I just have this slight feeling that Gilbert, you know, you fought Masvidal because you didn't need to do that, but you fought it for the money. You know, the way you beat Neil Magny so easily, the way you almost pulled out a like crazy shocker in the second and third round against Hamzat, you have some really interesting and tough fights. And the fact that you're fighting so often, that when you're that hungry to fight that often, because who wants to fight three, four times a year? Who wants to do that, especially as a veteran? You're, you're trying to, like, settle. But he wants it so bad. So right now, in this moment, I got Gilbert. What about you? Whew. I love I love the breakdown. I love the breakdown, man. You got me you got me shook. You got me shook here. Um I'm a big fan of Gilbert Burns and just his transformation, right? The dude 
the dude is pause on this, but he is thick with three C's. Like the man has a neck. His traps begin in a place where most people's ears start, right? Like this, it's crazy how brolic he is, especially at this division. Um, but I, I'm such a fan of, of the change that I've seen in Bilal Muhammad. I think him working with uh, Khabib and really embracing that part of um, sort of just being a hermit and really focusing on training for fight specific um, actions and, and drilling in a very fight specific way. Um, his development in this division has been a pleasure to watch. He's someone that when I first watched, I had no thought of him being in the championship picture at all. Um, and he really has come such a long way. Um, not only just in, like the, the heart was always there, but the skills have been insane to watch him develop and to see that he's now against certain matchups, right? Like his last one, to be able to put it on guys in the striking, right? Where before it was just the wrestling where he was giving guys problems. You love to see that. Um, I just think this this is a match of two such well-rounded fighters. And I think ultimately, because this is a five-round fight on short notice, is the reason why I'm actually going with Bilal Muhammad in this one. I think it's more favorable to the guy that has the deeper gas tank. And I do not question uh, Bilal Muhammad's gas tank at all. I think Gilbert Burns is someone who has a lot of... Uh, raw power uh but when you when you hit that nitrous button right uh you can only hit it so many times um and i think it could lead to him uh getting tired as the fight goes along and i think that's when Bilal shines the most when he sees that he has you in deep waters and he could take advantage and play to his advantages in those ways so i'm a big fan of Bilal muhammad's skill development i hate to pick against gilbert burns because i also think he is someone who not only has championship um, aspirations, but also I would argue could be successful in just straight grappling. And the fact that he's come such a long way with his striking as well is a huge testament. I think this guy fight is going to be super dangerous for Bilal early. I think if he's able to get past the first two rounds, maybe even be find himself in a O2 hole. Um, I think he could work his way back and, and find his way to a decision in this one. I'm not picking a finish because both of these guys are just so good. I think if we do get a finish, though, it will be a knockout and not a submission, just just from what I've seen from both of these guys' game. Uh, but won't be surprised with anything at this point, right? The UFC is so unpredictable, but I'm a big fan of both. I'm going with Bilal Muhammad here. So we got to find a way to link up for this fight, right? Because we, we're on both sides of the coin. We, we got to make this happen now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I have to I have to ask you, though, um, thinking about Bawa Muhammad, when before the fight obviously got, I shouldn't say, I, I'm blanking on the word. Um, what's the word? Where with him and Leon Edwards, where it, the eye poke and the DQ, they just stopped yeah. the fight. Well, DQ, no contest. Yeah. Yeah. No contest. Thank you. Yes. Hello. No contest. Yes. When you were going into that fight, watching it, who did you see at that time pulling it off? So I definitely had uh, Leon Edwards as the favorite in that one. Um, and I think the fight was playing out in that way. I think he he definitely showed the better skills of the two early. Uh, but once again, I'm not surprised by that. But just by the way Bilal Muhammad fights, um, I'm not surprised by that at all. 
Um, do I think there's a world where he could have started making a comeback rounds three, four, five? Certainly. Um, but I just think early Leon Edwards is putting him on him, putting it on him. And obviously at that point, we hadn't really seen. I feel like that fight also was a second moment of sort of leveling up for Bilal Muhammad, where we've seen him bounce back from those moments in an amazing way. Um, so I would say definitely um, I, I had Leon Edwards going into that one. But now I'm not so sure. I think in a potential matchup, capping those two, especially on full uh, full camps and everyone's fully prepared. Um, I think that's a different fight than it was back then. Um, but I think certainly that was Leon Edwards' night, regardless of if he, if he ended up losing or having a no contest. See, and that's a good – I like the way you said that because I felt the exact same way. And now that we've talked about, I would say, the top six guys in the division, or I, almost, I kind of want to ask you about Shavkat. Um, Shavkat's kind of – we're waiting on to see what – happens with him next, what his next fight's going to be. I know the UFC has said they're uh, making it, so to speak. Do you think, I, I know the fans want to see Shavkat versus Kamaro. I don't know about that one. I To me, I feel that's jumping the gun a little bit. I think Kamaro is better than him. I, I, I know Kamaro just lost Edwards twice. I get it. But I think Shavkat is someone you want to keep climbing the ranks, but slowly. I think the fight against him against Jeff Neal was a perfect fight. That was a great fight to see who is the top seven, top six guy. I think getting, giving Shavkat the guy who is just champion for what X amount of years is a big jump because everyone else already has a fight booked up. What do you see for Shavkat? What do you think is next for him or what's best for him? Whew. Um... If I'm in his management team, right, the only way I'm taking that Kamaro fight is if it's for three rounds. I, I'm not taking that five-round fight against against the former champ, like you said. But I think that's a very winnable fight for him. Like, I don't think this is uh, uh, a huge gap in skill between him and Kamaru. I think, I think there is very much pass to victory for him in that matchup. Uh, whether it's on the ground or on the feet. I think his game is that good. And I think he's someone that, like, I know this this probably doesn't rate, right? Because there's no way that this is a tangible skill. But, like, if just based on people's games, I feel like if you throw all these welterweights in a room and you throw a knife in the center of the of the room, I think Shafkas the dude that gets out the end of that room. Like, I, I really, from from the way I've seen him fight, I don't think it's a it's a fight style that leads to longevity. He is a finisher through and through, and he finds his way to those finishes. Along the way, he can be hurt as well as drawn out, and I think that's where he's going to run into some trouble coming up and, and grinding through the division. Um, but I'm a big fan of his upside and his finishing ability. He has a very, a very good finishing instinct, but also... Um, he's very dangerous with the different ways that he can finish a fight. Um, just such a diverse skill set and a real poise to throw them out there. Right. It's one thing to be able to do it, but if you can't do it in the heat of competition against someone who's good, uh, it doesn't matter that you have that skill. And he's shown in the, in grappling, in uh, striking exchanges that he has the tools and he will use them. Uh, so I'm a big fan of his prospects. I think he is a future champ in this division. Do I see him getting a loss along the way? Probably. Like, that's that's the game we're in. And I, I thought 
there were moments against Jeff Neal where he did look vulnerable on the feet. Uh, but I think that comes with being drawn out. So once again, I don't want to see him in a five round fight. If I'm his management, if I'm on Kamaru's team, I'm like, I'm not taking that unless it's a five round fight. Cause that's when he's able to show uh, the difference in, in experience versus skill. So I don't know, man. I think those are scary fights for anyone in this division. No one's calling him out for a reason. Um, I think he is the true dark horse of the division, and it's good to see him finally on a roll in that top 15. See, I, I, I have to say something here because I feel Kamaro has built up such a legacy. I would be so surprised to see Kamaro fight anything other than a five-round fight. Yeah, me it, too. So I don't really know. I think Usman's always going to get a five-round fight. And also, like, for someone like Usman, what do you do with him? Like, obviously, the, the competition, obviously, is always a question mark every every time. But, you know, mm-hmm. is he a fight night main event guy now? Do you push him to a co-main on a, on a, on a main, uh, on, a, on a pay-per-view? It's tough when you have a champion like this for such a long time, and now he's not fighting for the belt. And he's talking about, oh, I just, you know, I got a few more in me. I know I'm one to two fights away from getting back into a title fight. I really wanted this time. I've been hungrier than ever. So, like, I believe him. I believe that, you know, he's found the fire again. I feel like when you're a champion so long, you start getting complacent. and you feel differently about fighting. But now when you're back to being, you know, the hunter who's now trying to hunt, I think you find that fire again. Um, so I think... With him, I don't like that against Shabkat. I think Shabkat's there. I think he's one fight away from someone like Kamara. And I'm not trying to say anything bad about Shabkat. I think he's fantastic. But the fight against Jeff Neal, I feel, you know, Shabkat is kind of like Hamza, where they're really hyped up. Every fan knows who he is because they're super hyped up. And you love seeing him climb the ranks. You Like when Hamza fought Gilbert Burns, you know, you went from almost being unranked to fighting number three at the time. You know, mm-hmm. Hamzat brought it to him, won the fight. It was great. Shavkat, you know, against Kamaro, that's definitely going to be a very, very close fight. Do I think mm-hmm. Shavkat can do it? Yes, but I, I would lean my chips toward Usman, just you know, so to speak. And and, and I, I think I, I think the the bookies will agree with you. Like I'm pretty sure if that fight gets booked, he will be a favorite. I think at this point, no matter who he is facing, it's probably going to be a main event. Like you said, like even though it's a fight night main event, call it what it is. He is that kind of a fighter. So either he's in a main event like that or he's on a main card of a stacked like international fight week kind of event, right? It, it sucks right now because there's so many things going on in the division that it's kind of hard to see what would be next for him. Um, but I, I just think he sort of waits it out for the title picture to get a little bit clearer. I wouldn't mind to see him against Wonder Boy either. Obviously, it's such a big contrast of styles and, in my opinion, a much more winnable fight. Uh, but I think Steven Thompson has, has earned his way through the division as well and deserves a step up too. Um, so why not uh, take a, a significant step down, uh, but also fight someone who has a big status in the sport? I think that's the only thing that looks really attractive right now. Um, besides waiting out and figuring out where the division falls and, and fighting a top contender. Um, at this point, I just feel like you try to get back on the right track, losing two in a row, I'm sure, uh, isn't the position he expected to be in. So uh, why not a Wonderboy fight? I think that's a good one. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, Wonderboy is going to be next. I know Wonderboy is about to fight. Um, I forgot who he's about to fight, but he's, he's fighting 
very, very soon. I don't know if you know the details on that. I but, don't. I'm going to check. Continue. Uh, I, I, I have a feeling after that, Wonder Boy will jump him in the ranking, rankings if, of course, you know, Wonder Boy wins. But I know he wants to fight twice this year. And I know Wonder Boy is fighting again. I, I believe it's in within the next month or two. And uh, he's fighting someone, I think, underneath him in the rankings. And then I think he wants a top five fight, which I believe if Shavkat wants to wait a little bit, I feel that that's Shavkat's next fight. So you Wonder are Boy. right. He is fighting Michelle Pereira. So yes, okay. I, I I don't know why. I, I, I had no idea that was booked. So that that's a great... That's a great fight and much more makes much more sense for the position he's in the division. I just feel like, why are you taking that fight if you're Wonder Boy? Like, I know I'm not answering your question, but just based off of that news, like, why are you taking that fight? I don't understand it. Um, but I'm sorry. Well, what, he did say he wanted to again? fight. He did say he really wanted to fight twice this year. And I think he, he was saying he really wanted to fight International Fight Week. And he was really trying to get on that. And I don't think he was able to get it. But I think he's just trying to stay active now. You know, the last couple of years, he's only fighting once, maybe twice a year, mm-hmm. kind of on like a, you know, twice every 18 months sort of stint. And I think he's he really wants to go one more time for a run. I think the next time Wonderboy loses, I think he's going to call it, to be honest. Um, he's starting to get there in age. I think he's 40, 41 now, I think. Mm-hmm. Some, I think 40. And getting uh, I know he, more in fights. More yeah, and, and, you know, I know he had that great, fight against Kevin Holland, beat him up, but, you know, so losing fun. to Gilbert Burns, which was kind of a snoozer, and then Bilal Muhammad as well, that those guys are going to be two and three, one and two in the rankings for a while. They're always going to be there, so you're going to yeah, have dude. to face him again, and I know he wants to at least get a couple wins under his belt before he fights those guys again, so he was saying, I want to go for one more shot, one more time. I don't want people to just think of me as this, you know, ranked guy who fights a couple ranked guys, and then yeah, that's it. He wants one more legitimate shot, and I think for him, that's why I've been watching him a lot. I think when he fights Pereira, I think they're going to try to, depending on how that fight goes, which I expect to be three rounds of just absolute brawl. <laughs> I, I do think, though, that Shafkat and him will be next because I think Wonderboy will pass him in the rankings for the time being, and then you can get someone, Shafkat, that shot. Unless they're really, really interested in doing Shafkat versus Kamaro which I know the fans want to see. Mm-hmm. UFC might buy into that. But if they're not, if they're waiting, if letting Kamaro kind of take a you know, seat for a little bit until whatever happens, you know they might have Kamaro wait for the loser of Burns and uh, uh, oh, Jesus and uh, Bilal and then figure it out. But I think for Shavka, the best thing for him would be Wonderboy. Just to keep getting wins under your belt. And then once you beat these guys, the guys who have fought for the title, then you could go in and fight someone who's won, who is a champion, a former champion, and then keep climbing. You don't want to ruin someone like Shafka. Because once Shafka loses, people are already going to die on that hope, and then you're going to drop. And, like, mm-hmm. You're going to want him, but you're really not. So it's tough. I hate seeing fighters jumped up too quickly. And mm-hmm. I think for Shafka... Just be patient because your time will come for sure. It's coming. Hey, yo, but facts, it, it is coming. And I'm, I'm going to be real, bro. I I agree with a lot of what you said. I think if I'm in Steven Thompson's camp, that's the last fight I want. That's why That's why you're pushing for that Kamaru fight because um, I think 
let's put it this way. I think Kamaru Usman is a winnable fight for Shavkat, but it isn't a guarantee or nowhere near a favorable matchup. I think Stephen Thompson has no shot against against uh, Shavkat. I, I think it's that level of of skill disparity there. So I, I think if you're in Wonder Boy's team, that's the last fight you want. But if you're the UFC, I'm sure they're like, Wonder Boy would be the next ideal opponent. Honestly, I'm not sure he gets past Michelle Pereira. I think Michelle, although he is a meme fighter by definition, um, he also is huge for the weight class. And I don't like the durability issues I've been seeing for Steven Thompson. So am I throwing some money on Michelle Pereira? Probably not. But I'm staying away from that fight on either side just because it's still a dangerous fight. And especially we've been seeing him get hurt against relatively lesser level competition, right? Compared to what we're used to seeing him excel against. So I don't know. I feel like right now, Steven Thompson's vulnerable. So you, if you get a win, you try to capitalize ASAP, go straight to Kamaru. Don't try to fight uh Shavkat because I feel like that's a much more favorable path to a title shot. And that's a fucking terrible matchup for you too. So no matter which way you slice it, uh, it's a tough ride back to the title shot, but not for none. That's why I'm a big fan of Steven Thompson, because say what you want about him, say what you want about his style. Um, he is someone that has tried to fight the best out every time given the chance. So you got to commend fighters for doing that. I want to ask you one final question about this division, and it's kind of a two-parter here, but keep it simple. Do you see a situation where Kamaru Usman can ever be a champion again, or do you think his time uh, as champion is over. Who, man, that's a tough question. I honestly feel that his time as champion is over. I think, and that, I know that sounds so crazy to say, right? I picked him going into the last fight, right? So, so it kind of sounds like it. wild. Need some breaking news music, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. I just feel like that he was visibly slower than he was in that first, well, second fight against Leon Edwards um, and the way he was able to dominate in, especially the grappling phases. I'm not sure that he has that same horsepower to separate himself from the division the way he had when he was champion. Honestly, if there was a different universe where him and Adesanya weren't boys, that's his path to a title. Like he has a path to t to the title at 185. But unfortunately, it looks like that fight is never going to be done because of their relationship. Um, but I think he is a championship-level fighter. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's out of the mix. Can I see him in a title fight? Certainly. I just, I'm not sure I see, we see him get over the hump again unless Leon Edwards ends up dropping the belt, which is a very conceivable possibility, right? Like, whether it be to Kobe or someone else. I think especially if Kobe becomes champ, then definitely I'm putting all my money on Kamaru to become a champ again. But I don't know. It's so it's such a hard thing to gauge. I just my my gut says no. I, I feel like he's a little past it, a little past his prime for sure. See, this is funny because that was my part too. Was what if there's this situation where you get, you know, Kobe to beat Leon Edwards, right? And then, what if Kobe's you know a champion and Kamaru's the number one contender? Now the you know the roles are reversed. Could you see a situation where those two fight for a third time? Obviously, with the roles completely different, and Kamaru end up being the favorite or pulling out the uh, upset, if you want to say, against someone like Kobe for a third time. 
you know, that would be an incredible turn of events. Uh, that's the only way I could see him getting a title shot again and being a champion again, if he could be Colby. But I think besides that, whatever his next fight is, I think it really depends. Obviously, this is such a stupid thing to say, but whatever happens in his next fight will determine, I think, the rest of his career. For sure. If he goes out and fights anyone in the top five, Bilal, Gilbert, whoever loses that fight, or if Hamzad is going to fight at 170, which he probably won't, or if they give him the Shavkat fight and he just dominates all of them, any of those guys, mm-hmm. then you then you look at Kamaro completely differently again. Yep. So I think whatever happens with him is going to be very interesting to see. I'm excited <laughs> to see what happens in this division because there's still a bunch of question marks there. But I, unless actually, I'll let you take this one from here. You you go. I, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear you from here. Okay, perfect. Because we're not moving on just yet, baby. We're almost there, but we're not moving on just yet. That's so why. I agree with you. I, I just quickly want to say about Kamaru. I think before he wraps it up, we're going to get one at least one of these fights. Like, at least one. We're either getting a fourth installment of the Leon Edwards fight, or we're getting a third installment of the Kobe Covington fight. I think one of those is bound to happen. Which one? I'm not sure how it shakes out. I don't know, but I feel like we're at least getting one of those two fights before he puts uh, an end to his career. As far as this division, we got to we got to go to the age old question. There's a lot of prospects in this one. I just know we're short for time. I think we're going to stop at the lightweight division just for the sake of time tonight. Uh, but we'll continue the discussion and, of course, move on to the women's divisions as well. We're, we're not going to leave those out. If anything, those are some of my favorite divisions, too. So really looking forward for the next installment of this. Uh, but while we have the time, uh, I think it's only right that we ask the question, who outside of the top 15 do we see potentially making a run for the title sometime soon? Um, so I will take the lead on this one. I know you threw to me, but I'll force you to do it for the lightweights. This one is a little tougher, right? Because there's a lot of guys who are breaking through now, right? That I wish I could have said this about. I'm looking at you, Jack Della, uh, Madalena. Uh, but there's a lot of good prospects in this division. And this is one of the deeper divisions in the UFC. Uh, so I think I'm confident in saying this. Um, this name's going to come out of nowhere to some people, right? Um, I'm just trying to look at this as realistically as possible as far as a skill level wise, as well as the upside that I see for this fighter, because there's, there's welterweights and then there are fucking huge welterweights. And I think there's a big difference. And I really love the, the things I've been seeing from this camp. So if we're picking one unranked fighter and I can't go with Jack Della, I'm going with. Michael Morales, you ready? A name that not many are familiar with, uh, but one that I promise uh, you're going to get to know very soon. Absolutely huge for welterweight and has insane game-changing power that we haven't really seen in this division for a long time. I'm a big fan of his game and what he's able to do um, and how technical he is in the grappling phases, which is kind of crazy to say, right? We've seen a lot of him in the striking phases, but in the, in the grappling exchanges I've seen him in, he has the right instincts and he's doing the right things to get out of those positions. So I'm really intrigued by his prospects in this division. And I think he could go far. So give me Michael Morales. Okay. Okay. I got, I got two guys I want to ask you about. One who is definitely super hyped up right now. Everybody loves him, especially if you are Irish. I'm going to mention Ian Gary, 
What do you think of his potential upside? You think he's someone that could crop, crack the top 15 eventually? Whew, top 15, certainly. Um, he's someone that I've, the last three fights have been like, this is the fight to fade the daisy. And then he ends up winning. So I've been on the wrong side of this beat for a while now. I can't deny any longer that his skill development is real and is big time. I think everyone you hear talk about him talks about what a hard worker he is. And those are the, always the great things that you want to hear out of a young prospect. Um, I still haven't talked myself out of him being vulnerable, man. Every It feels like every fight he gets hurt, man. Even against Song Kinan early on, he got hurt. So I'm just worried about that, especially as he continues to move up the divisions. But his offense is, I mean, everything you ask for out of an MMA fighter, right? Like you want output and you want power. And he has both of those things in spades. I like his game. I like the way he's developing. I just, I'm not sure he has championship upside. Top 15, though, at this point, certainly, especially with the way that they're building him. Um, I think he'll be in the top 15, probably in, in, within the next two fights. Uh, so I'm a big fan of what he's been able to show and his improvement. Um, not so bullish on him being a championship level fighter just yet, uh, but he has proven me wrong many a time so far already. So uh, looking forward to seeing what he's able to do for sure. All right, and I got two fighters that I want you to just give me your piece on. Uh, Jeremiah Wells, what do you think about him and his potential future? And do you see a situation where Gunnar Nelson can make his way back into Ooh. being a standout guy, a top 15, top 10 even guy? He's had some some big wins uh, recently. I know he lost to Gilbert Burns, I think, two or three fights ago. But he's had some great fights, especially that submission against Barbarina, he absolutely dominated him. So where where do you see for both of those guys uh, what's next for them? Whew, man. Uh, Taylor, two, <laughs> two uh, sides of your career, right? Uh, as far as, let's start with, I'm going to start with Gunnar Nelson, okay? Um, I think I've always been a huge fan of Gunnar Nelson's game, so I think this might be a little biased. I think he has one good run left in him. Um, the shape he's been looking in has been absolutely phenomenal, man. I I feel like he's taken it a lot more seriously in his past two fights than he did earlier on in his career, uh, which is always a good thing to see. Um, looked absolutely shredded in his last fight and just dominated, right? So I'm a big fan of his game, and I think it gives a lot of the people in the welterweight division a hard time specifically. I just feel like athletically he's also going to hit a ceiling in this division at some point, especially when he fights a a more so dominant grappler, grappler uh, someone that can match his intensity in the, the grappling phases. So I think Gunnar Nelson is that guy. He's going to make top 15 again, and he's going to be up there in the division. Uh, but I don't think he's going to end up fighting for a belt before it's all said and done. As far as Jeremiah Wells, I'm a, I, I don't know how to feel about Jeremiah Wells, man. I think he is also someone that's a little boxy. Um, obviously a huge frame for the division, uh, but he's also someone who I think just gets hurt way too much and also puts himself in position to gas out. We haven't seen him gas out, uh, but it's just such a labor-intensive style, and there isn't anything that really comes efficiently or easy for him in matchups. It's really a lot of imposing his will, which don't get me wrong, when you can do it, 
it's a very effective style. But as you continue to work up the division, you're going to fight guys that have some of those same advantages. And it's almost like his ability to be a well-rounder at this stage of his development and at this stage of the division, it works out because you could dip into each skill matchup dependent, right? You could be a little bit more of a striker when you're fighting this guy or a little bit more of a grappler when you're fighting Semmelsberger, right? That works at the lower level. But at the higher level of the division, I'm not really sure I see either one of those phases being his highlight standout skill. Um, and when you have guys that are well-rounded like that but aren't really excelling in one particular area, I feel like once they fight those specialists in those divisions, they end up getting picked apart. So uh, I'm not really too sure about his prospects moving forward, but I think he's working at a camp with a lot of young developing fighters, and I'm a fan of what he's been able to do. I think he's a gritty fighter, and that's some. That's something you can't teach, right? You either have it or you don't. And he's shown that he has it. So I'm a fan of what he's able to do. Uh, but once again, I'm not sure about um, him even being in that top 10 range. I think I think he'll end up cracking the top 15 at some point, but I'm not sure that he will ever make it up to top 10 or beyond at this point of his career just yet. I just thought of this person and I want to quickly go through this, but what do you think of, someone like Kevin Holland, someone who back and forth between 185, 170, I think he has found the comfort in 170. I think he looks better at 170 than he does 185. I know he loves to be at 185. It's a lot easier for him. But do you, I love Kevin Holland when he's fighting seriously. And you don't really don't say that a lot about fighters, but he, you know, he enjoys it so much. Do you see any situation where he could be anything as lethal as people thought he was when he finally got into the UFC, do you think he could crack the top 10 or even, even you know, better than that? Or do you think this is probably where we're going to see him around, you know, top 20, top 10, kind of sneaking around in and out of rankings? What do you see with him? I think he is the definition of a TV fighter. I think no matter what, where he goes in his career, he doesn't even have to be necessarily a top fighter in the division in order to have a successful UFC career, just because of the the body of work he's already put out there. I think he's going to show up no matter what. And the UFC loves guys like him. So I think he's going nowhere. I think he's going to be here for a long time. I, I am someone who I do bank on his upside in this division. I think he's someone that can grow and find himself in the top 10 fight. I think he's shown a lot of development in the last fight as far as the way he approaches the fight. Um, against Santiago Ponzinibbio. I'm a big fan of what he was able to accomplish and getting a big knockout late in that fight. Uh, but that's how he's going to win the fights he's going to win, right? I want to see him against other grapplers in this division, specifically at 170. I feel like at 180, he fought a lot of powerful guys that he was able to either get slick reversals out of or find himself off the bottom quicker than you normally would at welterweight. I think there's a lot of control grapplers in the top 15 that could really put it on him in those phases. So I think that's a big test he needs to pass, but I'm a big fan of his intangibles at this division. I think he's so big and he has shocking power uh, that a lot of guys really come into the fight thinking that it's going to be a certain way and then sort of get woken up to the reality of it real quick um, after he starts landing on him. So I think he has game changing power, which is rare for someone with such a wiry frame. Right. Uh, but 
I don't know, man. He's he's another guy that I feel like I'm never gonna get right because I'm I like pick him against Wonder Boy and he doesn't come through. But then I I I picked against him in other fights that he that he ended up winning as well. So I like him, man. I, I'm a big fan of him. I, I enjoy watching him fight, and I think that's what matters the most, right? You want people to show up when you fight, and he's one of those guys for sure. So I love him in the division. Do I think he is a championship level fighter? Probably not. Um, we've seen him already hit those sort of marks and fall back to certain gatekeepers along the way. Uh, but I think a focused Holland is a mythical fighter on the level of C-level Kane. Uh, so we need to find find out if he could really actualize his potential. See, now I want to move to the lightweight division. But I'm I need your dark horse. This... Before we move on, I need your dark horse. <laughs> I got to put you on the spot oh. sometimes too. You know? Oh, okay, okay, okay. See, me asking about those guys was kind of my dark horse, but you know what? I'll think of another one. I'll think of another one real quick. I would have to say dark horse unranked that I could see climbing through. This may be not what you're thinking, but I have a feeling Phil Rowe will make his way. And this is, this. you may disagree with me, and I'm I'm not so high on him yet, but I did like that win against Nico Price. I, I, I don't know. I've always had this thing with Nico Price where I think one second I think he could turn into the monster that I, I saw him become just a couple years ago. But then there are other fights where I don't know what the game plan was for Nico. So Phil Rowe is someone I'm looking at where I could definitely see what is next for him. I want to see what his next two fights look like, how he looks before I really start taking him seriously into top 15 consideration, but that's that would be my dark horse in the unranked department for who's next to uh, to break through. The uh, the guy, I, what I wanted to say was in the lightweight and the welterweight kind of mix-up that we're having, we're kind of stuck in this gray area, is we're talking about title fights, we're talking about potential options, and I want to ask you, with the situation with Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler most likely fighting at 170. In a crazy situation where Conor McGregor can beat Michael Chandler, which isn't so crazy, but when it comes to Conor McGregor, you know it's either number one contender fights or title fights with him almost every time. So if there's a situation where he doesn't go back to 155, which I don't know if he's ever going to do that again or if this is just, you know, he's making his way back into fighting shape where he wants to fight at 170. He really seems to like fighting 170. You know, he fought Cowboy 170, Nate Diaz twice there. Now going to most likely fight Michael Chandler at 170. The promo just came out for the Ultimate Fighter today. So what do you see in that situation? Can you see a any scenario or any situation where Conor McGregor's fighting a title fight in the welterweight division? It'll be a fucking disgrace, but most likely he will. Like, he, And the shit is this crazy is if Michael Chandler wins, he's not getting a title shot. But if Conor McGregor wins, he's certainly getting a title shot, either at 155 or 170. I think his best fighting weight is 155. I don't, I don't think it's 170. Um, but more power to him. I think he really wants to put himself in the position to become the first guy to win a title in three different divisions. Um, I don't think that's a, a realistic possibility for him. In all honesty, I really don't. I think 
his time of being a top level championship fighter has passed us. I firmly believe that. I think even at 155, there's too many good fighters along the way that he'll just end up getting exposed before he even gets to the title. Um, I don't, I think if he wins here, we see him get a title shot, but I don't think we see him in a title shot ever again. So, so t- take that for what it is. I, I think he's going to lose this fight. And, but who knows, man? Who knows? I think if he wins, it's off to the races, and that's what the UFC wants, right? Oh, that's what the UFC is praying for. That's <laughs> what they want. I yeah. think what happens with that fight, and I'm not predicting anything, but if Connor can just escape the first round, because you know Chandler is going to swing like crazy, and <laughs> like he did against Gaethje, like he did against Poirier, where he rattles them both. You know, they're stumbling, they're trying to just escape the round, but then as soon as that first round ends, then you see the tides turn where Chandler's a little gassed, where they kind of figure out he's just going to keep throwing those overhand lefts and rights. He's not going to wrestle even though he should. So if Connor can somehow escape that, then in fighting at 170 and win, which will be a crazy draw, probably be top pay-per-view of the year most likely, next to John Jones, if not second, whatever happens with that. But Whatever that case may be, he'll get a title shot. I think if you had it realistically, if you really wanted to be smart, like not business standpoint, which they won't do, if you beat someone like Chandler, like if it was any other UFC fighter, the the, the fight would have to be Dustin again the, the next time. But they're never going to do that unless giving him a title shot first. So that's I wanted to bring that up because he's on that line of <laughs> lightweight and welterweight they're going to fight in welterweight and you know you have another possible name in the welterweight title contention somehow <laughs> so you know moving into lightweight islam is champion currently doesn't have anybody you know you have the lightweight division sort of locked up i i i, I really love the oliver darius i'm so happy that they got that good to go i do hope it happens honestly uh, I think that's a gr- fantastic fight. That is a perfect number one contender fight. But you also have to ask yourself, Poirier and Gaethje is probably next for them as well. Fans want it. They are talking about it on social media. I know Dana said that they're trying to book something for Dustin. I can see that that's the next fight. That is a, that is a co-main event if I've ever seen one. And uh, they'll probably do that. They're going to swing and go crazy. One of them is going to go get knocked out. There's no way they're going to make that three rounds. No. They will make that a five-round co-main for sure, and it's going to be intense. But besides those guys, uh, you know, what do you see for you know someone? What, what, actually, keeping it strictly Islam first, what do you see happening with Islam? Do you see him fighting the winner of Poirier Gaethje or Oliveira and Dariush? Whew, that's such a tough question, man. I have no idea. If I said I knew what was going on in this division, I was fucking lying because I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like anything could happen at this point. He's probably going to return on that Abu Dhabi card, which is leaning more towards somewhere in September, right? So I think definitely whoever wins that Darius Oliveira fight deserves the shot. But I think if Oliveira wins, which I tend to feel like is probably what's going to happen, then I'm not sure that's the fight they want to make. Um, so I don't know, man. I feel like it's really a matter of how these fights play out 
and who's at the top of that queue, right? Once it comes, I think they want to make a Poirier fight as bad as, as bad as possible. Um, and I don't blame it. I, I would love that. Honestly, he didn't even have to fight Gaethje again, in my opinion. I feel like either of those could have got a shot and nobody would have been mad about it. Um, I think this is a division that is really unfortunate because either between inactivity or between just having an established, like a new champion being established feels like every other year, right? Um, that it's just really hard to get things going in the division. And I, it's a, it's a, it's a crime in my opinion that it looks like Benil Dariush, if he doesn't win, probably won't even end up getting a title shot in his career, just based off of the kind of run he's had. I think he deserves it. Um, so if it was up to me, right. And things play out the way they, they should, I think Benil deserves the shot. Uh, probably not the world we live in. It's probably going to be the winner of Dustin versus Justin too. And I think I lean on I lean for Dustin Poirier in that matchup. See, I, yeah, I, if Dustin versus Justin, I have Dustin. <laughs> Funny to say it, but I it's I gonna have, be insane. I, right? Oh yeah, no it's gonna what. be absolutely intense. I think whoever loses might not might retire. Not I don't know, could retire or will consider their chances at the title over. I think that is a absolute make or break in their career for whoever wins or loses. Uh, that is going to be a very, very, very interesting and intense fight. Everything on the line for both of those guys. Michael Chandler, obviously, we just talked about, is locked up with Connor. That seems to be... It's, they obviously don't have a date yet, but I, I'm pretty sure that that's, that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, the rest of the guys are going to... You know, Oliveira, Islam, I just don't see them wanting to do that again i i i don't know i I, maybe it's just the media or whatever but it just seems Oliver has no interest in islam right now like he never wanted that immediate rematch he never asked for it he you know the injuries have kind of caught up to him a little bit and trying to get this darius fight to actually happen so i'm not really sure the ufc wants it either but can you see a situation where after you know darius and I'll verify it, and Poirier and Gaethje fight eventually. Can you see a situation while Islam's waiting that they do Islam versus Volkanovski too? Whew, I would love that. I think that's a great matchup and a fight that writes itself, right? I'm another one who on first watch, I'm like, Volkanovski won that fight. And then I watch it back and I'm like, yeah, Islam probably won that fight. But I, I think it was clear who won the fans over in that matchup for sure. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind that matchup at all. I think a lot needs to happen to get there, though, right? Like, I, I feel like him winning against Yair, although it seems likely, is a very dangerous fight, right? So you never know how those things are going to play out to make that fight happen. I'm not mad at it, though. I think it was such a close fight. It's deserving of a rematch. And certainly since... um I'm pulling a deep cut here, right? So sometimes these things take a while. Uh, since since his fight against one um Adriano Martins, uh that was the closest we've ever seen Islam in a fight, um, even more so than that Saryukian fight. So you gotta give whoever had the the best um chance at him in those matchups the 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 shot in my opinion. So I feel like if we end up in a scenario where he ends up uh Islam ends up sort of defending the title again and then we need we need to figure out what's going on after that 
um, and there isn't a clear contender. Um, and <laughs> Volkanovski did the same thing at 145. Like, why not? Why not run it back? It doesn't hurt anybody. There isn't really any other clear secondary contenders in these divisions, right? Once these matchups play out, each person either gets dropped or or their stock rises, right? So. Honestly, I feel like a lot of people in these top five divisions can benefit from just waiting and just being like, hold on, let's let's take this a little slow. I'm not trying to take another contender fight and sort of automatically put myself outside of looking in at the title picture because there's so much going on in the division. A lot of the times waiting is a lot better than losing. Um, so I don't know, man, it, it could go a lot of different ways, but I, I would love to see that fight again before it's all over. Yeah, it's the, the top. The top five, top six are are gonna be bangers regardless. They're all gonna be fighting each other. But I want to ask you about a couple of lower ranked guys that I just want to hear and see what you think. What's next for them? Obviously, we saw together. We were together when we saw Rafael Fazib fight Gaethje. You know, it was a great fight, crazy fight, exactly what we expected. But he did end up losing the fight. Uh, I'll start with him first. What do you see from him now? What do you expect from him next? whoever fights him next good fucking luck that's all i gotta say um i see a world where they try to make the sarhukian fight that is a fucking banger i just gotta say that's a banger um i hope he doesn't fight him next for skill development purposes would like to see him fight someone maybe like a dan hooker uh maybe a Hinato moicano i think that's a good matchup like someone to get him back on the on the right side of things um, but if we're if we're talking about just prospect matchups, most likely that's our Yukian fight for five rounds. That'll be a hell of a fight. I don't know. I just feel like at this point, a lot of the guys he's going to be facing are going to be asking a lot of the same questions of him that unfortunately we haven't seen him come out the other side of answering with flying colors. Right. So I I really like his skills and I think he's all automatically a top 15 fighter for the next couple of years just based on how dynamic he is and and no matter who he's fighting they're going to be in trouble right like this is a going to be a close fight and they're going to have to earn it if they're going to beat him um i just think there's a lot of matchups that are tough for him in this division where he ends up uh maybe taking a step back or two so um would hate to see would hate to see him just continue to face prospects and never find his way through take a little step back like someone in that 10 to 15 range and uh, work your way back up the right way, right? Yeah, I actually, um, I was looking it up because I thought I saw it for Armand. Armand is fighting Renato Moicano next. That's what they've announced. So that'll be probably a fight night main event, most likely. And then you have Jalen Turner fighting Dan Hooker. And then you really, have, uh, I hadn't heard of that one. That's great. Yes, that that is next. And I thought for Fazeev, I thought Fazeev should fight Cam- Gamrot next. I think. The winner of those two obviously will determine the, the top five ranking. Uh, I think Fazeev would beat Chandler, but Chandler's mm-hmm. pretty locked up with the Connor. Yeah. I think that'll be next regardless, but I, I, I feel Fazeev is better than Chandler. For sure. And Chandler's hype is sort of on the way down. I don't see him winning a belt. I think he's a fantastic TV fighter like he made Kevin Holland, where you know he's a former champ. He's a three-time champ in Bellator. He's going to be a Hall of Famer over there. He's a fantastic fighter i love watching chandler anytime he's he went i think fight of the night every single time he fights he, he goes out with a banger but i just feel fazib is better mm-hmm. now 
at this moment. But Chandler seems to be locked up with Connor, like I said. So for me, I think Fazeev should fight Gamrot. I think that is a clear, to me, a clear, they're next for someone like Chandler or Darius if Darius were to lose Oliveira or against Oliveira if Oliveira were to lose Darius. Like, whoever wins that one would be next for a top three fight. And then I'm really excited to see Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker. That is a swinging if I've ever seen one. That is going to be a great fight. And I really really love what the UFC did with Armand versus Moikanos because Armand's a little – not, I think his ranking is a little high for what he is. He's eight right now, but I, he's great. He's really, really, really good. I think he's underappreciated, to say the least. And I think a fight against Moikano, who's really desperately trying to make his way up the ranks, I think this is a great fight for both of them. So much on the line for them. And mm-hmm. I think the matchmaking has been fantastic for all these. And mm-hmm. obviously the Fazeev Gamrod is not. I just made that up, but I think that's what's best. Yeah, but you know, if between those three, who do you have winning those three? Whew. Oh man, uh, you're gonna have to remind me of each individual one. But I'm just, I just wanted to go off on a sec on this because, man, like the great fights, great fights. I love all those matchups. Um, I think originally what I wanted to say, which is what I was trying to get get off and say first is I thought that that fight got postponed because Hinato suffered from a knee injury. Um, so I don't know whether or not they're able to rebook that one th- that quickly. That's why I sort of thought you, you could slot Armin Saryukin in there with someone else on that level. Um, but Saryukin Gamera, well, s- excuse me. Um, why, how am I doing this? We just said his name. Fiziev Gamrot. There we go. We worked through these things, right? Um a hell of a matchup there. I, man, that's a bad fight for both of them, right? Like for different reasons. Um, that's a dangerous fight for both guys. I I feel like my my MMA brain is screaming Gamrot because of the 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 grappling intangibles, uh, but the fists do be going burr. I don't know. It's a real close one. It's a dangerous fight in both ways. Like I feel like. No matter what, if it goes to decision, that's Gamrod's fight. Like, no matter how you cut it, if it goes that far in a five-round fight, uh, you have to assume Gamrod is winning. But I just feel like early on, that's such a dangerous fight on the feet. I don't know, man. That's a tough one. I think, gun to my head, I pick Gamrod. But, whew, that's a banger. And then the next one, Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker. You see, we dust off a little cobwebs, you know. It's still working. Um, that's a hell of a fight too. And I love that Jalen Turner is getting the Conor McGregor build, right? He's fighting all the strikers along the way after he, uh, he had that little setback loss to Gamrot. A uh, great fight for both these guys with the position they're in. I think there is room for a throwback Dan Hooker performance, right? I think, actually, the more I think about this, not really, right? I, I feel like Jalen Turner is probably the power of of what he has to offer probably wins outright. I think a lot of the times these bigger guys in the division have a hard time fighting their their match when it comes to size. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that works out for both guys, right? Who who adapts better to fighting a taller fighter. I think ultimately I will lean Jalen Turner in that matchup just because he, a lot of the same things, but also a lot less mileage, right? Um, 
but I could see a path to victory with Dan Hooker just uh, working the body and and staying long and working behind his jab. Uh, but I, the problem is I don't trust him doing that for three rounds. So I would lean Jalen Turner on that one, but that's also another close fight. And then the third one, please remind me, what's the other matchup? Oh no, you 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 definitely because uh, Armand and Moicano, which you were right, they did postpone that one. So I will just make up another one because why Beautiful. not? We're here. Beautiful. What if we did Armand versus Drew Dober, who's one rank below below Moicano, and since everyone else seems to be locked up in a fight, Drew Dober's not locked up yet. If they were to fight just for the meantime, because I know they're really trying to get Armand a fight, they're trying to keep him in that slot and just get him someone else. Uh, I know Drew Dober has stated he is available. You see a situation where if they were to fight, uh, who would come out in that matchup? Ooh, I think in a three-round fight, Drew Dober has a much better shot. Uh, but I, I would lean towards Saryuki in both of those. I just feel like he is such a much more well-rounded mixed martial artist than Drew Dober. Um, but obviously, the he has shown moments of vulnerability, especially when it gets later into the fight, and he's already been grappling for a while. Um, so. I could see ways that Drew Dober makes him work and forces him to extend some combinations. But at the end of the day, I would definitely pick Saryukin in that matchup. I just think he's so levels ahead of a lot of the division in the grappling department and his striking is so devastating as well. Um, I could see him hurting Drew Dober the same way I could see Drew Dober hurting him, uh, but I can't see him having anything for Saryukin in the grappling. So I'll pick Saryukin in that one. And before everyone jumps down my throat, I know Drew Dober is fighting next week. He's fighting, I, I forgot <laughs> who it is. It's Matt Frivola, I believe. If yeah, Frivola, yep. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I predicted, as you could tell already, that Drew will win that fight in my eyes. So I was I saying, don't think he does. Hey, I'm going hey, Frivola. Okay. See, that's a we'll good see. one. We'll see. That's we'll a good see. one. I was assuming after that fight, if they were still going to, because I know Drew saying he really wants to fight. Really wants to keep fighting. He's not trying to just fight for the last time this year. He really wants to keep fighting at least two more times. So I was just saying after the fight. So like that. It's yep. just definitely interesting. But I that's kind of a perfect segue into our unranked conversation. Mm-hmm. And I know you're just gonna ask me who I think, but I see there's a bunch of names here that I am yeah, very, very, very interested in. And for someone like me, I'm looking at like Joel Alvarez right now. I know he lost to Armand recently, I think in his last fight, but I really like what he's doing. I, I don't, I don't think he's cracked the top, but I know he's probably right there. Mm-hmm. I am a big fan of. Think he could definitely be something. I like him more than I do Patty Pimblet, which I know he's probably like you know twentieth, twenty fifth, or something in the rankings. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. I'm not huge on, you know, fighters the UFC is trying to hype up so much. I'm I'm more into the underdogs, guys nobody cares about until they win a couple, and then they force everyone to pay attention. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think for someone like Patty Pimplin, I think his decision win was not a decision win. I think he lost. Uh, and then, you know, you see someone like Bobby Green, who's also an unranked guy, just – basically annihilate someone like Jared Gordon. I know the headbutt and all that, no contest, but I felt Bobby was way better 
in that fight. He just seemed more experienced. So I just Patty, I just don't see it anytime within the next year or two. Even though I know if if Pimplin were to win his next fight, they'll probably cut him fifteen, which he doesn't deserve. Mm-hmm. But I I'm a big fan of Joel Alvarez right now. And if I had to give you another this is tough. He's very, very new in the UFC. I think he's only fought once. And I'm going to go with Ismail. I'm probably Ooh, That's my guy right there. Yeah, I, I liked him in his last fight. And I just have that feeling that he could definitely jump in about two fights. He can be right there within like top 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I, I really liked him in his last fight. You know, everyone's gonna say that because he got the KO. But I, I when you control the fight as much as he did in that one, I'm really confident in what's next. And you have guys like like Clay Guida and Jim Miller, Jared Gordon, like you said, all these veterans who are on their way out. You could put him against these guys in two or three fights from now to kind of keep pushing yourself. Brad Riddell, you know, Bobby Green, like I mentioned. There's a bunch of guys on their way out. So this kid can definitely jump up rather quickly very soon. There's not it's not as deep as the other divisions we talked about. So for sure. What do you think? Whew, I just gotta say off rip. Um as far as Joe Alvarez, I'm a big fan of his game as well and his upside. But I think there were some rumors of a potential USADA suspension. Um he was supposed to fight Zubaira Tukagov. Obviously, he ended up Tukagov losing that fight to uh, Lucas Brenner on short notice, um, which who knows how that fight would have went if it would have went through as it was originally booked. Um, but I'm not sure what the deal is there. That still hasn't come out. So once again, not trying to scarlet letter anyone, uh, but I saw a couple different posts talking about it potentially being a USADA suspension. So who knows what the reason for that was. I agree, though. I think he is a solid prospect in this division. But the one I was going to pick is Ismael Bonfine. So I'm glad you brought him up as well. That is my dark horse in this division. And once again, it's not a matter of, man, this guy got a crazy knee knockout. So he's the he's the guy to look for now because we fall into those trappings a lot. I agree with you, though, man. I think all the skills he showed before that moment and the things he was able to accomplish, right? At the end of the day, it's skill set versus skill set. And he really showed his ability to control the fight on the feet, land big devastating shots along the way and set up different things as the fight is going on through his feints, through his movement. Um, It's very hard to see guys with the full package. Obviously he was facing a guy who has known for being a face forward offensive fighter, right? So we don't know how he's going to work against a more defensive fighter, but from what we've seen so far, his ability to identify patterns and set traps is next level, which you love to see from any prospect, uh, but especially in this division where you need all the athletic intangibles, but you also need to be able to set yourself apart in those ways too. Uh, really a big fan of what I've seen from him so far. And I agree. I think he has big time uh, prospect status in this division after that win, not just because it was an, a knee, but the the levels, the way he got there, uh, it was a really dominant fight before the knockout. And you could argue he was on his way to a finish had he never even landed a knee. So crazy. I'm really a big fan of what his he was able to do in his last fight. His brother as well at welterweight is another guy to look at too. Um, but a lot of questions still need to be answered for both those guys too. So let's not get a, a ahead of the skates here. I just feel like 
he's the guy as far as outside of the top 15 that could potentially make that push. Cause it's such a long way away in this division specifically, man. I feel like the top 15 is so entrenched that it's hard to even get in there. Um, so that's why I feel like he has the kind of upside you need to crack that and, and end up in title discussions. So um interested to see how they book him next. Cause they could go, a old veteran like you were saying or they could potentially go straight into the top 15 because it was that kind of a performance and the skills speak to that right so um i love that give me give them all the smoke i'm a big fan of bomfim and i think he he showed the greater skills than even his brother did on the same night getting a finish in, in the first round so uh love to see a prospect come into the ufc in their debut and put rounds in as being the winner being ahead and then get a finish like uh, that's a comprehensive performance if you could ask for one i like the way you think uh, i'm fully on your boat there i want to ask you one more question about unranked before i give you my final question of the night Whew. patty pimblet everyone everyone knows who he is patty to flabby you <laughs> guy can cut weight and gain weight better than anyone I've ever seen <laughs> um, what do you see with him and his career do you see him ever being a champion or do you see him more as a someone who can become a ranked fighter and kind of climb it be that Conor McGregor everyone wants him to be or do you think the hype is way too real after seeing that Jared Gordon fight even before the Gordon fight, man, I, I, I know the hype isn't real on this guy. I, I think I'll be surprised if I see him make a living as a top 15 UFC fighter. Genuinely. I think once he hits that level of competition, I think he's going to continue to be sent back. I think his his deficiencies in the striking is re are really going to show himself because this is the vision that, in my opinion, you cannot get away with being a dominant grappler only. Like, you have to have the other requisite skill sets to put yourself in a position. Like imagine him against someone like Gamrot, like I, I Gamrot would absolutely destroy him in my opinion. So, and that's in the phases where you expect him to be a championship level fighter. It would take a Herculean effort on the UFC's part to really build him in a way that caught that like sort of coddles him from certain matchups, but also requires him to step up big time in answering those tests in order for him to find his way anywhere near title shot, in my opinion. I mean, they've done it for guys before, so who knows? Um, but I, I just don't see him as that level of fighter. I I feel like before I would put him in the same category as Ian Gary, and even now Ian Gary has separated himself from that pack as far as where I feel he'll end up in the division. So obviously I know they're in different divisions, but as far as where their place is in their own division, um, I think – Patty Patty Pimblett, although he's going to be a fun TV fighter no matter what, um, I don't think he cracks anywhere near the top 15 when it's all said and done. I like what you think because I feel the same way. I, I, I felt it after his submission win. I forgot who it was. Jordan Love. I, I, yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes. And I'm a big fan didn't... of his too, so that one hurt, but yeah, that was a that was a bad win. Even even though he, exactly. he got a good finish, it was it wasn't a good win. Yeah, I felt the exact same way. And in the Jared Gordon fight, I was actually nervous for Pat in that fight. Like, my heart was racing. I, I just felt that Jared was hungrier. And I, 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 lost. I still yeah. think. I think he lost. Yeah. I, yeah, I still think Jared won. But 
I want to ask you my final question of the night. This is the Ooh. toughest question I'm going to ask you. Here we I'm have ready. Islam Magashev, Leon Edwards, Israel Adesanya, Jamal Hill, and John Jones. At the end of the year, who will or won't be champion? Whew. At the end of 2023. That's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. Let me pull this up. Let me try to think about this as realistically as possible. So we'll start at heavyweight. I think he'll still be the champ at heavyweight. So I'm going John Jones will still be the champ. I think Jamal Hill will not be the champ at 205. I think Izzy will be the champ at 185. I think Leon Edwards will be the champ at 170. And I think Islam Makachev will still be the champ at 155. I think it all comes down to activity, too. I think a lot of these guys, if they were to fight twice, if you were to tell me right now they're fighting twice, I would be a little bit more questionable than I am. Um, but most likely, it looks like either one or none for all of these guys. And uh, I'm pretty confident in those picks. So, yeah, I love me Jamal Hill. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sound like a hater. I just feel like um, Gary's coming back with a vengeance. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. But uh, that's that's where I fall on that. Can I get your opinion before we wrap? I need I need your answers on those five as well. Okay, I have it as John Jones will be the champion. I believe Jamal Hilvers Yuri. That's super tough, so I'm gonna come back to it. <laughs> Adesanya will be the champion because I don't see a situation where Duplessis wins against Whitaker and then. Adesanya Whitaker will be an absolute banger, and I really feel it in Whitaker when he says that he's going to beat Adesanya when they fight again. I don't know if Adesanya will let him win, though. Like, as stupid as that sounds, I just think Adesanya has his number. Leon Edwards, Colby. Uh, so, like I said, Adesanya, I think, will have the belt. Edwards. Fuck it. I, I, Colby. I have Colby. Wow. I have Colby winning. Just he because I need it. to mix it up. I, need to I mix know. It up. It's hard, right? It feels it's like really, you, really, really you, it hard. feels like it's like I agree with you. When you're looking at it like a parlay almost, like you kind of have to have one of these guys losing the belt, right? Like I'm not just with the way the UFC is, it feels like you're due for parody at some point. So I don't I don't I don't mind it, but crazy, yeah. Whew. I would hate that world, but it is a it is a world that is a, a world of possibility, to say the less. Yes. I, I I don't, I'm not really high on Colby. I don't think he has really much of knockout strength. I think he's just mainly a wrestler. And I think if he could bring Leon to the swamp, I like to call it, where you're just desperate for air. You're desperate to, you know, win a round. And Colby could just wrestle him to a point where he just wins those three rounds. I think Colby can pull it off. He definitely has striking where he's even rattled Usman at times. And he's, you know, had some good fights in the past. I think he could drain Leon and make Leon mentally go back to that second fight against Kamara where he was, mm -hmm. you know, you had the coach yelling at him. Don't let him bully you, son. Like, I can <laughs> see a situation like that. Mm -hmm. And then for Islam, I, him versus Volk 2, I don't think will happen this year. I think it will happen early next year because I think they want to give Islam at least one fight in this division. And I think really depends on whoever it is but i would say anyone in those top five don't see him losing to i don't see him losing to dustin or justin i think if it was ever him against Oliveira again i don't even consider it to be close i think islam has mentally 
messed up Charles and Darius and Islam is probably the one that I find the most competitive. And I need to see how Darius looks against Oliveira because if he looks like he can beat a championship fighter, then I will have more confidence in Darius. But at this moment, I think Islam holds top of the belt. That's such a great shout. Now, before we ask, this is going to be rapid fire because I'm throwing a, a question on you too. Um, if we were the Dana Whites of the UFC and we decide who makes these title fights right now, in those those divisions we just spoke of, I'm going to go top to bottom and I'll go first. If we had the choice of who to send in there, who we think has the most realistic chance of becoming the champ, who that guy is. So I'm going to go for heavyweight real quick. Ooh, that's a tough ask, right? That is a real tough ask. Before this fight, I probably would have said Curtis Blades, funny enough, uh, but we saw how that worked out. Um, fuck it. Give me Tom Aspinall. That's who I'm picking. Gun to my head. Who's the guy I'm sending in there? It's Tom Aspinall. Next up for light heavyweight. If I just want to beat the champion, right? All I want to do is beat the champion. I think I'm throwing Ankalaev in there. I, th- I feel like that's an easier fight for Ankalaev than Yuri would be. I feel like Yuri's a more competitive fight. So give me Ankalaev in that one. It's just a matchup thing. Do I think Ankalaev is the best fighter in the division? Probably not. I just feel like in that matchup, he does much better. At 185, it's Robert Whitaker. I'm I'm, I'm riding that flag till it burns, baby. Uh, for 170, I'd say Gilbert Burns. I feel like that is the the toughest stylistic matchup. So give me Gilbert Burns and then Islam Makachev. I I go I go Darius. I think that is from what I saw in that Gamrot fight. Just based on the way we know Islam likes to fight, um, I think he does really good at denying body lock clinches in the first place. So it's going to be hard for Islam to get the grappling going, and a lot of it is going to be just walking into those wild man exchanges. So I I, I would go Benil Darius there. All right, so then rapid fire for me, heavyweight, nobody. <laughs> I don't see a way Stipe wins. I think the age is caught up to him. Gun to your head. Back. You got to send someone in there, though. Gun uh, to your head. Gun to my head, Sergey. because if Sergey Which can... one? Which one? <laughs> oh, that's two. That's true. Pavlovich right now. For right now, keeping it easy. Because if Pavlovich can just find a way to stun John Jones in the first round, because that's what Sergey's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, we've never seen John Jones take a heavyweight punch before. So we have zero clue on what happens with that. So, but I, yeah. I would, if ever that fight were to happen, I have it. Bet the farm. Yeah, punch. bet the farm on John Jones. So, yeah. Uh, in, I have 100% agree with you on the white heavyweight. I think Magomed is the only person at the moment until Jiri's ready. To take it from Jamal Hill because of a matchup, I think Ankalaev can do crazy uh, wrestling damage, anything to Jamal Hill. I, I Jamal Hill is a crazy striker, but I you know I think people are overlooking him because of his fight against Glover. But you know besides that fight with Glover, it was I think six at the time, and would have mm. picked everyone would have picked Magomed to beat him. So I still think that that's a great fight if they decide to do that. I don't know. Um, once Yuri's ready, I think that's going to be a really close fight. Maybe Yuri. But uh, if you go to middleweight, 
Whitaker, because Whitaker's the only one out of any of those guys that can see it. Pereira's not going to fight at middleweight anymore. And I have no idea what they're going to do with Hamza Shemaev eventually, but I would say Whitaker for right now. Welterweight, like I said, Kobe for me right now. It's And then eventually, maybe Chavkot or Gilbert Burns, whoever wins that fight, mm-hmm. and Gilbert and Bilal. Uh, they're right there, and then, you know, who the hell knows. But those that one's a little bit tougher to watch. I mean, tougher to determine. Mm-hmm. And then lightweight, oh, God, that's tough. Dariush would have to be because I, I really do feel that even that fight got canceled right before it was supposed to happen. And then, you know, Islam fought Bobby Green on short notice just to mold him. Mm-hmm. But that was supposed to be a, a fight that everyone was waiting to see. Yeah. I think now that Dariush has a little more experience and will have that Oliveira experience, if he could beat him, I have my money on Dariush first. I like it. I like it. We're, we, 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 great minds think alike, and the two Negrongs are on point. Man, this was awesome. Like, I had such a blast. Two hours fly by quick uh, when you're yes. having fun, and it's crazy how much we covered in this time, right? There's so much to talk about in these divisions, and that's why it's only right we give them their due. Can't wait to do part two of this and sort of wrap that yeah. up and then continue to have conversations like this, right? Because these divisions are ever-changing. There's always going to be something to talk about in that way. And we could even do like a different editions of the show, like top prospect lists, et cetera, things like that across all divisions. So please, the audience, let us know what you guys are interested in. Let us know what direction you'd like us to go once we're done with our uh, division breakdowns. We'd love to be responsive in that way. So thank you again, always, for all the support that you guys show Make sure you follow the brand at OTS Media Co. on all platforms, as well as OTS Media on YouTube. You can catch me at Negrong MMA on Twitter. I am solidly at 500 followers, so thank you so much, you guys. It's been a goddamn ride, but we're maintaining, baby. There was a while there where it got a little dicey, dicey. I was I was at 500, but then I would drop out every now and then. Now we've made our, uh, we've staked our claim and looking forward to continue to break that down. I'm hoping we could get to a thousand before the end of the year. So let's keep running it up. Thank you so much for all the support. And then you could also follow me on Instagram if you feel like it at Chris Negron underscore. Uh, so Sean, please let them know where they could catch you once again and we'll get out of here. Yes, you can find me at Sean Negron 26 on Twitter. And then if you want to go and write and do something at bs reports um good that's my website bsreports.org you can always find me there if you want to write about any sport team player anything sports related shoot me a shout dm me whatever i will always help out and get you in the sports world uh but honestly hey uh i appreciate you having me on thank you so much again i love doing these uh, i look forward to a part two and then uh well maybe lowering them down to you know an hour you know for uh <laughs> You know, for a short impossible, space, impossible. impossible. <laughs> we have such great conversations, it's impossible. But I appreciate you again for having me on. Thank you so much. Heck yeah, man. It's a blast. And looking forward to having you on again before we even do that part two show. Uh, we got some business to take care of coming up soon. So it won't be the last of the double negrong breakdown show you see. Uh, so tune in for that. Thank you so much again, you guys. Once again. Stay on your grind. Make sure you do your homework when it comes to these conversations. Come correct, because we will argue the, with the best of them. So reach out to us if you disagree with our list. Looking forward to hearing some feedback in that way. And until next time, do your damn thing. Don't hit nobody below the belt. We'll catch you next time. Peace.